You're listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. Star Wars Celebration, they had an exclusive t-shirt that was the Max Rebo band, and mm-hmm. they were dressed up like the Blues Brothers, oh. and it had a caption that said, we're on a mission from Jabba. <laughs> That's I fucking, great. I, th- yeah, yeah. It looks so fucking cool. Uh, friend of show, host of the Craniacs, mm. Ryan Jenkins had posted about that. And uh, I was like, I need to get that. that I am now on a mission from God to get that shirt. All the great content. Well, you should, he really is. Wow, he should be my podcasting partner. If you wanted that, I'm going to pretend. I haven't told that. him yet that, <clears throat> that you're, you have you've forbidden me now from promoting out. their podcast. I didn't say that. I'm just saying, are they promoting us no, on theirs? Not. Why should they? Where's the love, man? Boom, 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 boom. No, no black eyed peas boom, on this. Boom, boom, on boom. this podcast. Cut that part out. Boom, 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 boom. Um, Where's the love, y'all? Speaking Where's of, the love, y'all? If you want that uh, T-shirt, Joe, you yeah. may have to. You may be SOL actually, because I heard at uh, Star Wars Celebration they were having quite the technical difficulties. Really? That there was a seven-hour wait in line for that store, fuck. that exclusive store where you can that... only get the the exclusive content. Dude, what the fuck? Man? And then once you got in and picked out, it was an hour to an hour and a half to Just check to out. Check out. Yeah. So all day you can spend. To get your uh, precious Max it's Rebo got, it's gotten Blues too big. Brothers t-shirt. It's gotten too big. You know what? That's like the, Comic-Con. It's not the only thing I've missed out on this weekend. Record Store Day happened this past weekend, Oh, too. was that this past weekend? Fuck. Yeah. Dude, speaking of which, I was rocking out to your Billy Joel uh, yeah. birthday gift. That you got me. Yeah, man. That's a good album, dude. It's got all the good Oh, Innocent Man has a lot of good songs on it. All the best ones. Did we ever talk about why I gave you that record? Because you got it for free? No, because it had your name all over it. No, I bought that. Oh, hey, Billy Joel. I bought that. For like we 99 looking, cents. Yeah. <laughs> but I still got it. Listen, it's it. the thought that counts, and it's a very thoughtful yeah, birthday present. I know. I got you like, what, an Amazon card, probably. Yeah, dude, it went towards putting clothes on the baby, I'm sure. <laughs> Your baby, I hope. Uh, no. Just some baby? So somebody somebody else's, else's baby. baby? Dude, who knows? Well, speaking I keep of... getting stuff taken from me. Somebody broke into my car, man. I heard that. Yeah. Well, what the fuck, dude? You just have the worst luck. Yeah. Like a year ago... Someone broke into my it car. It was restaurant. almost this time, wasn't it? And then, but this time, no, there was no real like break in because mm-hmm. there was no damage to the door. It didn't look like there was a forced entry. That's good. No glass in your no, uh, no baby glass in my ass carrier. So I I go outside though to get the the baby in the car. We're gonna go take a ride, and I notice like there's a whole bunch of shit on my passenger seat. And at first, <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, did I leave that out? Then I was like, well, no, wait a minute. The glove compartment's open. The center console's open. They even open like the 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 sunglasses thing, which yep. I have. I have a Bruce Willis action figure from G.I. Joe. And the, <laughs> they probably and they thought they were it. being. They fucking left oh, it. Oh, did they? And I told Sarah, I was like, I really wish I could have been a fly on the wall as this person's, because like, I didn't have anything valuable in my car. I ever since that first break in, I'm like, yeah. I, I take everything out. Fool me once, so shame on me. They obviously were looking for like cash or just something they could yeah. easily get, you know, just unload, and they couldn't find it, so they were just like, fuck it. Uh, but, like, I just wish I could have been a fly on the wall when they opened the sunglasses compartment. And there's, <laughs> and Bruce there's a Bruce Willis, and he's like this. There's a Bruce Willis action figure. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> It'd be great if it was sound activated, and that was when, when you dropped open. Oh, oh, oh now I have a machine gun. <laughs> now I have a machine gun. Oh, actually, oh, he never oh. actually says that line. Come on out he? to the coast. We'll get together. Have, have a few, few laughs. laughs. <laughs> That's great. I did have my, the same thing happened to me one time, out of my driveway yeah. in that house I had in Plano. Somebody stole my prescription sunglasses from my car. What the? I'm fuck? like, well, jokes on you, buddy, because um, 
It may protect your eyes, but it will. You won't uh, be able to see. You'll be cross-eyed by the time you get done. They took. Uh, they took my box of tissues. <laughs> I'm assuming they put stuff in it, like if they found some change or something. Yeah, oh, they use put it, it as a in carrier. the tissue box as like smart. a carrier. That's good. When you're going to ran, uh, sack, ransack? Yeah, ransack. Ransack somebody's car. Yeah. Make sure to take the Kleenex box. I was box. so pissed off. And then I checked the next door app, and it looked like somebody had Uh-oh. reported some yeah. break-ins at like 3 a.m. They're like, somebody broke into our neighbor's car. And this was like a street over. Yeah. It's a sticky like, bandit. It's probably the same guy. And I was really pissed, not because my car got... I, I use the term broken into, but obviously I left it unlocked, and w- which is crazy because, dude, there have been so many mornings I'll walk out to the car to go to work, and I'll re- realize I left a credit card out or I left my wallet <laughs> out on the desk. Could have been any one of those. It huh? could have been any one of those days. There was a night when Sarah left the fucking garage door open. I've done that uh, before. And, and like, I, I go outside to get in the car, and I realize it's open. I go in and look, and like, nothing's missing. So it could have been one of those nights. So thank God it wasn't. But this is what pissed me off mm-hmm. was... I go to the next door app and somebody caught pictures of this guy doing this oh. on like a house cam or whatever. And it was a black guy. Oh, that's And like I told Sarah, I was like, I'm really pissed because it's stuff like that that like it like it like it, it proves people like, like my father right. Mm-hmm. Like it proves people right that I'm like, no, no. Like I'm I'm out there like in the face of my dad, in the face of my family, going like what the fuck are you talking about? Crimes are committed by fucking white people yes. all the goddamn time. Mm-hmm. And then I see this stuff and it's like, God damn it, <laughs> you, were, you were hoping for it to be a Caucasian. I really was. I, I was that. really hoping it was a Caucasian. And when that or does Indian happen. Man. When that does happen, I've had that happen before. You catch it on the camera and you're like, oh, thank God he's white. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can, now I can actually be pissed at him. <laughs> but there Before you, you kind of have to play that, well, you know... Um, it's a form of reparations, you know, if you look at it. I mean, statistically, <laughs> but yeah. So well, sorry about that, Joe. No, it's okay because overall, it was a good weekend. Took yeah. Sarah out. Her birthday's. We're recording this on Monday. Her her birthday's tomorrow. Tuesday. Yes, happy early birthday, Sarah. Yeah. Or late, uh, but when? By this yeah. Time. By the time she hears yeah. this, it'll be. Late. Sorry, we missed your birthday, Sarah. <laughs> but we went to uh, Mesomaya. Which is right down the street. Great Mexican restaurant. Yeah, man. Got to splurge a little bit, which we don't get to do normally. Ooh. Uh, but uh, but yeah, had this like this chimichurri uh, New York strip, which was just what? fucking phenomenal. Oh, it was God. so good. But yeah, we we indulged. We we had some some great food. Uh, great company, I hope. Good company. Yeah, great. Sorry, company. we missed out, buddy. No, it's okay. People have plans. Mm. Um, and and I kind of did a little last minute. So uh, so we got together with her sister, her older sister. And uh, her husband and Jay and Jason just I love those guys, man. We uh, we we got together, had a good time, man. It was one of those one of those kinds of dinners where you sat around the table talking for like four hours. Oh, like, I love we it. got there at seven. We, at we didn't Olive leave Garden? until like ten forty. Oh, you already told. Me. Well, Hospitaliano <laughs> at Mesomaya. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that was. I mean, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. I think see any movies? No movies. Um, did I see any movies? No. No. Well, I can pick up the slack there because uh, we saw three movies did over you? the weekend. Yeah, we did a double feature at the drive-in. Yeah. And then uh, went out uh, the other night and saw a little little, uh, little family family ditty. Oh, I did watch. Uh, I had downloaded The Kid Who Would Be King. I had that as well. And watched it. How it was, was it? It was cute. It's, it's, it's a good flick. It's pretty much this generation's answer to, like, The Goonies. Like, oh. I imagine this is, like, our mo- the, this generation's Monster Squad or Goonies. It's so enjoyable mm-hmm. without being, like, it's sweet without being too saccharine sweet. But it's still, like, a kid's film, yeah, though? Yeah, absolutely okay, a kid's so film. not recommending it to... This adult? No. In this room? All right. No. 
I'm going to do right click delete that one. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that you'll feel like you wasted your time watching it. I just think that there's probably other movies better suited for whatever time you have. Sounds about right. Uh, what did you watch? I'll watch a Guardians of the Galaxy for the tenth time. <laughs> we did a little um, double feature there, a little horror double feature with uh, the new Pet Cemetery, that remake of the Pet Cemetery, I Stephen don't King's. Be That's right. In a pet cemetery. Cemetery spelled with an S. I don't want Interesting to choice. live my life mm. again. Which, uh, I think it's got like a 50-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Sounds about right. Was it, it, oh, it wasn't very good? No, no, no. It wasn't, it's not that it wasn't very good. It just wasn't doing anything very groundbreaking um, as far as the horror uh, genre goes. Uh, you kind of see the, the this jump scares coming. Uh, the most... Um, what are we doing? Are we doing a little live stream? Yeah. Yeah, nice. The, why, you gotta, why has it got to be on me? I don't know. I'm there trying to... Yeah. Trying to get it on. Is it going to stay up? There we go. No, is it going to stay up? I always have problems keeping it up. Yeah, I do too. I lean it back. So what are we talking about? Movies. Yeah. So Pet Cemetery. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I don't oh, want to be Christ. buried. I'm going to turn you down in again. a pet. Here we go. Cemetery. Uh, don't want to <laughs> live my life again. A lot of the jump scares you see coming. Um, no, nothing groundbreaking. Nothing revolutionary. Certainly nothing like uh, you know Hereditary from last year, which. I know you haven't seen yet. You really need to see that film. Do I? I? Think. Yeah. I, is it going to be? Is it going to be like an annihilation thing where I'm going to watch this movie and but, I'm going to be like mm. but, potentially? But I I do think it's an important film. Yeah. Um, I say important. It's not important like Black Klansman is, but it's uh it's it's kind of groundbreaking. Or yeah. At least it was for me. Um, Pet Cemetery, not so much. Uh, but wait, me, wait. Hereditary is that the one that's like supposed to be the analogy of Mother Earth? It's got uh, Tony Collette's. No, okay, no, that's a different yeah, one. This is different. This is different. Different. Uh, so saw that, and then right afterwards, um, kind of realized how mediocre it is, especially when compared to um, us, uh-huh. the Jordan Peele the, film oh, that I th- we th- saw, the TV show, no. <laughs> Milo Ventimiglia. No, no, us, literally, you, you and, and I, I compared we to are us, terrifying. we're so much better than her. Uh, no, um, yeah, us, the Jordan Peele film, uh-huh. which if you saw Get Out yeah. and enjoyed it. What about the Liam Neesons, though? We li- we like this film so much. Jen and I were talking about it later. We're like, did you like Get Out or Us better? And I was like, I think I got to give the edge to Us. Really just great filmmaking. And yeah. then, man, does he have his own style. And he's like, this is only his second film. And he's like Kubrick, dude. Like, Well, I mean, you say it's his second film. But he also directed and wrote the true. fuck out of like a bunch of the Key and Peele segments. But comedy. Yeah. Like, who would have thought he had this dark side? It's not a lot of comedians so dark. do. That is true. Yeah. Um, and, and there is, much like with Get Out, there is like some comedic li- relief in here that really kind of endears you to the, the characters. Uh-huh. But uh, what he does with the story and the, the kind of twists and turns, I don't want to give anything away, um, but uh, just great visual uh, symbolism. Yeah. And uh, the editing is great. And uh, I don't want to... Are you planning on seeing this? Yes. You should. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, highly recommend Us. Did you so watch any... Have you seen any of the new Twilight Zone? I have not yet. I wanted to see it. Super good, man. And then realized it's not only that you have to have CBS All Access. It's not even like on it's CBS. It's not on TV. No, dude. Because, Just like that Star Trek show. Yeah, because the, the language is really... really? It's, it's our language. Well, they could do it like in... They throw uh, F-bombs all over the place in this show. Well, they don't First have to be the HBO the of... Well, I think that's what they're trying to do, though. Everybody's trying to counter that Netflix programming thing. L- listen, when the Disney Plus thing comes out, it's going to own everyone. Yeah. Like, don't even bother. I was talking to my like, boss about that You should start making your today. deals with Disney And I was Disney like, now. you know what? We're probably going to do that because it's the one streaming service that has something for everybody in the house. Netflix has been kind of uh, sitting in this cozy place. Uh-huh. Um, 
Whereas, you know, never really had to worry about like Hulu or who are the other streaming ones. Like nobody could. Amazon Prime. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, there's strong programming on each of those. Amazon Prime has Fabulous Mrs. Maisel, which is mm-hmm. insanely true. good. Uh, Netflix has Stranger Things. For me, it has Glow. <laughs> I, I love no, Glow. No, I think Netflix is in a good place, but when they lose all this Disney stuff, yeah. like th- there's going to be some real competition here where I don't really feel like there is now. But do you feel like when they've announced like all this stuff that's coming out for the Disney streaming service that you know Disney's really kind of like grasping at shit to like fill their programming? You think so? It, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, <laughs> it's it's like. Like the the Marvel Starsky and Hutch, like uh, watching them go on weekly adventures. That there's gonna be a Hawkeye TV show, well, you, the yeah. Mandalorian. I'm like, that how, one seemed weird. How many leg? Like, what is the longevity of these shows? Uh, especially stuff like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like these are guys that have legit like film careers right. moving forward from Marvel. I don't know how long they're. And I get it, man. Contracts and money. Money's great. I love money. I it, <laughs> it, it astounds me when I hear these stories about people like that have played James Bond and they're like, "I'm done. I need to move on." And I'm like, "You have you have security. Like that yeah. is a secure check. Do another film move, for twenty five million. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking <laughs> Daniel about, Daniel Craig? Uh, no one is interested in your artistic impressions. Yeah, and whatever, Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Be James Bond. Shoot your gun. Make out with some woman who ends up getting killed by the bad guy. <laughs> Follow that formula, man, until it is dead. He's like, no, too much, too, too much uh, testicular trauma in my dreams. <laughs> I want to do another Golden Compass. <laughs> That's where my career really is going to take off. I don't know why he's turned into Jason Statham. <laughs> exactly, they all sound like that. <laughs> I won't beat James Bond. Um, what was the third movie that you saw? Third movie was uh, the new Leica film, uh, Missing Link. That we checked out. I can't wait to see that. It's uh, it's it's fun. Um, how many of the other like a films have you seen? You I know, I'm a Box huge Trolls. fan. You've seen Box Trolls. Uh, I've now seen Coraline. You have not seen Coraline. I have not seen Coraline. Okay. Uh, what about uh, Leica? Did they only have four? They got Kubo and the Two Strings. Is the other I did one? see Kubo and the Two Strings. And then uh, Paranorman. No, haven't seen Paranorman. Oh man, Paranorman. So Kubo and Box Trolls. There you go. And I have seen the other two. <laughs> and parts <laughs> we've of, got uh, everything covered. Yes, man. between the the three of us, the two of us. <laughs> Uh, is, that, is, that, is that a fat John joke? John McCock. No. Jesus. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry, guys. Cutting that part out. Cutting your cock out? <laughs> your in-laws were watching. It's no fun. Um, but um, unfortunately, I have to say, my little mini review is, I feel like this is like as Cars. Like when Pixar, Pixar was doing great films and really? hitting, running all, all cylinders. And then they came, no pun intended, and then they came up with Cars. And it was good. It was above average, but compared to their other fare, you're like, oh, I kind of, I wanted to feel more. I was expecting more from them. But Joel, life is a highway. Everybody, it's everybody else's uh, A game, but for them, kind of felt like their B game. And, yeah. and, I, and I, I compare it to Cars because the similarities, the things that like is great at, I, I love all their films for the most part, um, but their characters, you really have a main protagonist that you, you care about, you follow along, you're invested in, you learn something about. This one I'm comparing it to Cars because the 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 main lead, which is voiced by Hugh Jackman, it's not even the Sasquatch. Wait, he's I kind thought of a the side Sasquatch character. was the main lead. He, no, it's named after him, but he's, he ends up kind of being a side character. He's much like, um, uh, not Tim the Toolman Taylor. Oh, Al. Uh, no. <laughs> um, uh, from, what are you talking about? From Cars. What's his name? Owen Wilson? No, the other oh, one. Oh, Larry the Cable Guy. Larry the guy. Cable Guy. Sorry. Tim, Tim the Toolman Two Taylor. Taylor. They're all the same. It's the same person, really. What are you talking about? He's kind of like the Larry the Cable Guy character. He's there for comedic relief, but he's not really the main protagonist. Uh-huh. And then Hugh Jackman is, but he's kind of cocky and unrelatable 
And you want him to be better than he is, but he never really gets there on his own. There's side characters that help him become yeah. better. Um, so it had that dynamic going for it. Just not as special. But man, are they at the top of their game as far as visuals go. I, I saw somebody had posted, I can't remember, I think it was Sarah's niece had posted uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the videos, and they do it at the end of every Leica and movie. And they did the same thing here. Where it's like the characters being animated, mm-hmm. and it's slow at first, and then they start speeding it up. Yeah. And it's just amazing, like me- the patience, the meticulous details. I would, it would that you drive have to, like, me crazy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. The one that they did at the credits here was a scene of an elephant. They're riding an elephant at a certain point through like the the jungle, um, and they show a wide shot of the set. As not only are they animating all the characters, but they're having to. Um, construct the set around the camera as the camera is doing this arc around the elephant. Oh, so wow. you see them moving the pieces and everything, and just like a, a, an <laughs> army. Uh, I, I just I want these guys to keep making films forever because it's going to be like a lost art when they stop doing it. You have it, to you know? enjoy your job to do that. <laughs> you really do, yeah. <laughs> I uh, just imagine these guys coming home at the end of the day and just be like, so what'd you do? What, what the fuck do you think I did? <laughs> I moved shit, and we took pictures, and then I moved shit again, Man, took pictures. The wives of those animators like, you worked for eight hours a day, and what do you have to show for it? Half a <laughs> second. Half a second of half film. Half a second of film. <laughs> you know how much film Steven Spielberg shot today? He shot three movies today. What'd you do? Half a second? Oh, that's cute. Your little doll raising its arm. That's unfair. But uh, yeah, check out Missing Link. That's cool. <laughs> uh, I want to. I, I'm really looking it's forward to it. It's still enjoyable. It's probably their funniest, though, Yeah, uh, I think. It's like so, a road film. So um, we should probably get into this maybe a little bit later. Uh-oh. But something huge happened since the last time we talked. Yeah? Uh, yeah, something in the way of the Star Wars trailer and the title reveal. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? Did I see it? Well, you're, you're like... Hell yeah, dude. You're like playing it. You were like... Mm-hmm. Playing play, play So cool. you, you weren't happy with it? No. No, uh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. Well, I'm. are we talking about this now or do we want this to be a tease? This is... You know what? Teasers don't really work Sh- in podcasts Sh- because people will just, people just fast skip to the end. Or but not, not the people on Facebook. That's right. You have to So hang it. out because later is. we're going to talk about the uh, the Rise of Skywalker trailer in just a little bit. But first, we got some business we got to get to. Oh, what's the business? It's the editing bay on the Next Wave oh. Radio Network. My name's Joe. Mine's Joel. This is where we come to talk about movies. Sometimes they're good movies, sometimes bad movies. No matter what the case, every week we will get together and talk about a movie. Uh, figure out what it did right, what it did wrong, try to tear it apart, and see if we can put it back together. Maybe just a little bit better than it was in the first place, and we invite you to take part in the discussion. Go to uh, facebook.com slash editingbay, or in the search bar, put in the editing bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes, mm. and that's where you can talk back to us. Or if you happen to be watching live right now on Facebook, you're probably typing stuff. I can't see it because the phone is across the room right now. Uh, but, but Joel is squinting looking at it. Lindy Wade is watching. <laughs> oh my gosh. This It's like romper room. I see Lindy and I see Jen. Ryan Neely is also Ryan. watching. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> uh, yeah, but talk back to us. Let us know what you think uh, about the movie we're talking about of the week. And then if you got ideas for movies for us to talk about in the future, go ahead and put your suggestions there. So this was your pick. I'm surprised that we talked about this movie and it'd be your pick. Well, it had, it had been on the list, and I guess this is the big uh, 20th anniversary. No, not no 25th anniversary. 25th anniversary. Of uh, The Crow, starring yes. the late Brandon Lee, uh-huh. uh, who we've done a couple of his films on this podcast yeah. before. We did uh, Rapid Fire, right? That yep. what it's called? Showdown in Little Tokyo. And that was the other one, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, going to go eat fish off those naked chicks. <laughs> and both times I remember being like, oh, Brandon Lee, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. He's kind of got a weird presence, but I guess I see some potential there, but... Uh-huh. Um, no more is his potential shown than in this 
Yeah. Unfortunately, his final film. Okay, well, before you get into that, mm. The Crow from 1994, directed by Alex Proyas, who basically just did music videos yep. up until he did this film, uh, also directed Dark City, yeah, iRobot, uh, Knowing with Nicolas Cage, oh, yes. and uh, a movie called Gods of Egypt with the guy who plays Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones, mm. which I haven't seen, but I've heard some horrible things about that movie. Oh, really? I'm yeah. Just looking at his film credits... Like, Dark City was pretty good. Dark City is probably his best I, film. I'm kind of a... Uh, I, no? Agree to You disagree. like iRobot? I like The Crow. Oh, interesting. I think The Crow is yeah. Alex Croy's best All film. Right. Uh, but I liked iRobot okay, too. It's not bad. But Gods of Egypt, I've heard bad things about. Knowing is just abysmal. Well, yeah, how much of that is Nicolas Cage, though? A lo- probably, probably a lot. A lot. Probably a lot of it. Uh, the budget for this movie was $23 million. Mm-hmm. In the box office, it took uh, $50.7 million. And uh, other movies from 1994. Yeah. This was a huge year, man. Let's hear it. I'm going to go through this pretty quick. Uh, Pulp Fiction, The <laughs> Lion King, <laughs> The Shawshank Redemption, yes. True Lies, Clerks, Natural Born Killers, oh, Speed, The Mask, Quiz Show, Four Weddings and a Funeral, uh, Interview with the Vampire, Dumb and Dumber, The Professional, Ed Wood, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Clear and Present Danger, Hoop Dreams, The Flintstones, Legends of the Fall, Stargate, Time Cop, Wyatt Earp, Angels in the Outfield, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Airheads, The Shadow, Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, The Santa Claus, and Forrest Gump. Uh, all right, so if you can, I would like for you to guess the number one song of 1994. Guess the number one song of 1994. That's what I asked. This is the part that uh, I either fail miserably. Or you cheat. Or you accuse me of cheating. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't do it last week. No, you no. Were really, you were really sneaky about that. How, like, you, Shut up. Lauren started talking, and you were like, yeah, Lauren, that thing you're talking about. What, what, what's that? Let's, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Oh. So now it's just you and me. All right. The number one song of 1994. 1994. Here we go. Um, maybe like something. Oh, well, let's see. So we're deep in Nirvana, and this is a very kind of like goth emo film that we're about to talk about. So, mm. uh, But your eyebrows tell me. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, you're, you're going right to try to base what the number one song is on the 25th highest grossing movie of the year. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm Forrest not Gump, that. by the way, was the highest grossing just movie saying, in 1984. Okay, so that's probably something poppier, right? Was yeah. Whitney Houston yeah. still uh, pre-Coke well, I, yeah. in these in this <laughs> 94? It's hard for me to say. Yeah, hard to gauge. Yeah. Number one song. I'm going to go, it uh, smells like Teen Spirit. There Come you on. go. Okay. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You. Oh, I'll make love but, but to what you. was the song, Joe? <laughs> it's voice been Motown Philly. But, oh. but I'm gonna make love to you. Uh, that yeah. sounds about right. So Look there we that. go. Uh, the the crow. Did, did you see this in the theater at all? I didn't because uh, I wasn't quite old enough to watch rated R movies when this film came I out. I saw this in the theater, and so well, you have better parents than I did. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> I still have the. I still have my ticket stub. Oh, do you really? Yeah. So, so were you were you were looking forward to this? I was looking forward to this movie. I I think I've told you before. Like, I was a big Brandon Lee fan. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed Showdown in Little Tokyo for what it was. Uh, like the discount, it was like the GoBots of Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> uh, that's true. The the rapid fire movie. I really enjoyed it. And I know fun. when we talked about that, you weren't really as, as high on that as I was. Uh, it seemed like a generic action film, but uh, when I was telling Jenna about poor little Brandon Lee, she was like, who was he? What was he? Do- had he done movies before? <laughs> and, and I was like, well, yeah, he was kind of billed as the next big action star. I was like, you know, all these movies that Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal were doing in the mid to late 90s, yeah. that would have been Brandon Lee, right? He was kind of picking up that mantle mm-hmm. a little bit. See, the thing that I liked about Brandon Lee is that he had the, the action chops, but there was also something really sincere about his performance. Uh, something that that, yes. that that I thought that he he brought 
he brought an extra layer or two that you didn't get with Seagal. Definitely not with Seagal no. or Van Damme. No, true. Um, but I think to echo what you said just a couple minutes ago, never more so than in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a shame that this is his final performance. I know. Because it, it really was his best. But I'm very curious if this movie... And this is a dark thing to say. Okay. Oh. But if he had lived, would this movie have been as good? Because yeah. there were a lot of things they were going to do with this film that when I read about it, mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, you were going to do what? Like, there was supposed to be, like, a skull cowboy that Ooh, walked really? around and, like, it was his spirit guide. Like, that whole thing about, like, the crow carrying his spirit and all that stuff that didn't happen. was kind of added in at the end. Like, at the very end when they talk about, like, kill the crow, you can kill the man. Mm-hmm. No. That, that, was that wasn't there, supposed huh? to be in the story. Interesting. It was supposed to be like he, the Eric Draven goes through. He takes his revenge on everybody uh-huh. that that did wrong to him and Shelley. But then Top Dollar kidnaps Sarah, mm-hmm. and at the church he hears Sarah scream, and he's supposed to be like meeting with the Skull Cowboy to go back to the, the afterlife. Skull Cowboy, okay. yeah, dude. Like it, to see pictures of this thing, it was like really silly. So he hears Sarah scream. He's like, "I got to go get her." And the Skull Cowboy's like, "You go." You you turn your back on immortality, or you turn oh, your back to the afterlife. That's why he's vulnerable. And so at that's the end. why he's vulnerable. Not because at the, end. the crow got not because the crow gets shot. Picked off. Caw, caw, bang! Fuck! I'm dead. <laughs> that's a great performance. Michael Wincott, man. He's if great. you wanted someone to sword fight somebody in a movie, Michael Wincott was the way to go. Yeah, he was. Great. He was in Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves. He was. He was in the Three Musketeers with uh, uh, Oliver Platt and Chris O'Donnell and, and Charlie Sheen and Charlie Sheen. Oh yeah, I forgot when about you, that. When you think Three Musketeers. <laughs> Think Charlie Sheen. I think Tim Curry actually, and Kiefer Sutherland, dude. Oh, that's he right. was so Tim Curry, man. Is there? Can you think of a movie Tim Curry was in where he just he wasn't amazing? Congo, even Home Alone two. Congo. Congo. He's the best thing about Home Alone. I don't 2. think I. I don't think I've seen Congo. Really? I want to do it on the podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> Every time you want to do it, some other podcast is talking. This is, about why, it. this is why we haven't done it. Because you haven't seen it. You don't yeah. know what you're missing. Really? With Congo. With Laura Linney. It is totally uh, editing bay worthy. Yeah. Coming soon to an episode. But but a, a great performance that I think maybe... And it's a dark thing to say. To say that a, a, a performance is enhanced by the fact that the actor is no longer with us. No, there's definitely uh, an element to this film. Because the publicity around his, his demise um, predated the release of this film by months, right? It did, because yeah. I remember watching a behind-the-scenes on, oh, here's what we did to take his face or take other shots that we had shot out in the rain, and we have digitally cut him out and now placed him in his apartment. Uh, so I, I knew about this film, even though I couldn't have seen it. Uh, so I was intrigued by that. But then, yeah, you get this lore, and of course, being the son of Bruce Lee... Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a whole oh, the curse. The sure, Lee you've family heard curse. about the conspiracy theory. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that, and then there's the other one about the Chinese mafia. Do you know about that one? Oh yeah, that, that um, they were afraid that you know, his popularity in Western culture was going to destroy Chinese cinema. I guess is the theory. I I don't know the motives behind these conspir- conspiracy theories are always uh, that seems like lacking. a lot of schlock. Like seriously, yeah. that just that seems a little ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, when you consider where action movies and action stars are going now with Jackie Chan like exactly. really if we were going to have a if we're going to have a problem like Jackie Chan would have been hit a long time ago um so i think one of the the positive things that this movie has going for it and i think there's a lot of them uh, but one of the things that struck me right off watching it again is the fact that it opens with jingle bells like mm-hmm. the sound of jingling bells yes. just like die hard 
I think that's it's oh, an yeah? omen of good things. Oh, yeah? going for something? It's a, no, I don't think it's going oh. for anything. I just think it's an omen of good things. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but it opens with this, like, jingle belly kind of thing, uh, then opens up and with text, and it says, Devil's Night, mm-hmm. October 31st. But it's devils without an apostrophe, which I'm fine with, even though I always thought it was devils as in, like, ownership. Devil's Night. The Devil's Night. And the fact that if you watch this movie with the captions on, whenever someone says Devil's Night, it's apostrophe. It does have an apostrophe, doesn't it? And when there's, like, a couple of news broadcasts in this movie they talk about where devil's it's apostrophe. Interesting. But the, the, opening, the opening thing is Devil's Night without. They gotta get their shit together, man. Um, Whoever's typing that in, some very creative use with like models and compositing going on. Yeah, I. It definitely doesn't not look real. Yeah, but that's okay because this whole film kind of has an otherworldly feel to it, and it uh-huh. kind of fits in that Tim Burtony realm where everything's a little hyper realistic. I'm glad you said that, uh, like a Tim Burtony feel. But it it also because of the fact that they're using like models and composites and stuff. There's this, and you'll probably know where I'm going with this, but it felt like. Batman the Animated Series, in a way. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? With like the way they were... Not the look of it, but the way they were building the world. There is a very definite and distinct look to this movie yeah. that is unique to anything else that I've seen before or since. I had read that uh, the director, Alex Proyas, wanted to uh, shoot this in black and white, but then have all the f- all the flashbacks, all the memories be in like, super hyper color. Yeah. And the studio wasn't going to go for it, so he, he made it as monochromatic as possible while still... Technically being in color, so oh, man. it's all like dark grays and blues, and every now and then just pops of red. It would be amazing if they gave this movie like the, the black chrome and chrome edition, edition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or the Logan uh, update. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, another version of this film that I would love to see is with all the dialogue taken out and just the soundtrack, because I just hmm. feel I feel like visually this film is strong enough for you to get everything you need to know story wise. Well, a silent film with just the music. It's. We complain a lot when we watch movies. We complain about like a movie giving us too much exposition in the dialogue, yeah, show, telling tell. us without showing. Right. This film shows you everything you really need to know. I mean, there's some good dialogue in there, but for the most part, it's strong in that respect. That's a good point. I, I would have to watch it again on mute, but uh, yeah, I don't think you, you can miss anything, right? Yeah. You get it all in uh, in pantomime. And yeah, it is beautifully shot. Some of the, the angles and the things you're doing creatively... And also the set design. There are several scenes in here that are kind of seared in my memory just for their their visual beauty. Uh-huh. Even though it's mostly dark, but that, that big gunfight at the end. Oh, yeah. Where there was a bunch of money on the table, uh-huh. and now it's kind of shot in slow-mo, and there's dollar bills and flying everywhere. And he's doing flips off the yeah, table. Yeah. To that cool, like, industrial, like, EDM yeah. kind of soundtrack. Like 2 a.m. at the strip club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just ones flying everywhere. and <laughs> Take it to the stage. It's Eric Draven. <laughs> Draven, stage three. Draven. Take it off for the crow. <laughs> call, call. That would be his stripper name. <laughs> the hoe. <laughs> uh, no, so for for everything that this movie does do right, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things this movie does right. I agree. There are a few things that rub me wrong even to this day. Sure. Uh, and part of it starts off with like that opening um, that opening narration. Yeah, with the little girl Sarah. With, with the little girl, the girl, the girl who plays Sarah. Her name is Rochelle Davis. Mm-hmm. Not a very strong actress. Oh, I thought she was fine. I thought she's, she was great in this. She's fine. But there are some things where she doesn't quite connect emotionally in some moments. All of like her narration the, is kind of read in whisper. Well, that's every bit of dialogue is yeah. kind of in that weird raspy whisper. Yeah. And I've got no problem with that, but it just seems like it seems like Alex Proyas really had to work to try to get things out of her. Like you could already see like the uh, what is the glycerin like trying to make like the the fake tears. <laughs> oh, yes. Because at the very beginning when she sees Shelley, like 
you're lying to me about Shelly, right. and you lied to her about Eric. And, like, I don't know. There's just there's kind of a disconnect. But what I have more of a problem with is the narration at the beginning, yeah. where she gives that whole, people used to say that a crow, and I'm like, no, no one said that. <laughs> like, who said that? Who's And why? Like, I would understand if we're, like, if we put this narration in the mouth of somebody else, mm-hmm. like if we put it in Officer Albrecht's mouth, or that would like, have been better. S- somebody else's. He's a witness to this. Well, and actually witness, plays a part, but a wiser, older person, right? Who could say, you know, you know, when I was a kid, people right. used to say that a crow would. For it to come from idea. her naive, like, yeah. point of view, it, it makes it kind of weird. And unfortunately, it's one of those things they had to do to cut around yes. uh, the fact that Brandon Lee was... Uh, can, can we talk about this so then we get, we get it out of the way? Yeah, the because elephant in the room. I don't know how much of the story you know. I did a little research on it. But I remember at the time just hearing the, oh, the accident on set and he was a sh- he was shot. There was a fake gun that wasn't supposed to well, have It was a, a real gun. It was a real but, gun. But they had dummy rounds and even dummy rounds can hurt. Right. Uh, and if they're packed incorrectly... Could injure somebody. Yeah, this had something to do with uh, they had used the same prop gun two weeks prior, um, and it was a, a situation where somebody on the set uh, in the crew forgot to buy the blanks. Yeah, and one of the crew members was like, "Hey, I've got some live rounds in my car. Let me go empty the gunpowder out of them real quick. Put them in here. We can still use the prop gun. Everything will be fine." That plan worked, except um, the last bullet that was actually fired, like I guess the tip of it, the uh, the the brass tip. I don't know what they're made of was still stuck in the chamber. Yeah. So then when they let up, loaded the blanks two weeks later to shoot the the infamous scene... Yeah, there was still the that piece of shrapnel pro- that was in there. projected it, yeah, and shot him in the gut, and uh, he just he just bled out, man, yeah. before anybody knew what that was is, going on. That is terrifying. And, and unfortunately, though, like the poor actor, when you hear about that, like obviously horrible for Brandon Lee oh, Michael Massey. Life, but Michael Massey had to take a year off, like didn't work for a year and was traumatized by the experience and never ended up seeing the film. Like he, he died in 2016. Yeah, he did. Never having seen it. From what, uh, they did a, a Q and a with, uh, James O'Barr, the creator mm-hmm. of the crow. Yeah. You uh, just about saw a week or so ago. back. And he talked about this and he was like, you know, this guy, James Massey, really sweet man. And ended up never forgiving himself yeah. for what happened. He said Sad. it was something that tortured him he for, had nightmares about for it. years afterwards. I would. And you know, just passed away recently. Um, Michael Massey is most recently that I remember seeing him was uh, the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Oh, really? Who yeah. did he play? Uh, I think he a played like role? I think he played one of like the guards for um, for Harry Osborn or oh, something. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's it's unfortunate. There's a couple of people in this movie, not just Brandon Lee, Michael Massey, uh, John Polito, who plays Gideon. Yeah, I like one that of guy. the best performances in this film. <laughs> I man. told Jen, I was like, "Look, it's, it's a guy from Big Lebowski, like yeah. uh, the private dick." I'm a Seamus. I'm a Seamus, brother Seamus. I'm a brother Seamus. <laughs> like an Irish monk. It's <laughs> hey, the dude. You see the dude right above my shoulder. The dude bites. Kind of, yeah. They kind of see that. <laughs> uh, so, it, you're right. When you hear that narration, it is. It's a little clunky. It, when you know the story about what happened. It does seem a little obvious, like, oh, okay, we're doing this to kind of cut around that. And it just, it bothers me that this character, who seems so naive through the course of this movie, is suddenly so wise yeah, book about all the these. Film. And the thing is, like, these are conversations that never take place within the movie. So it's not knowledge that she gains within right. the course of the story. Yeah. Her character, just this disembodied voice, happens yeah. to know what's going on. Now, having said that... uh, I was really impressed with all the other things they did to hide the fact that there was an accident on yeah. on set. Because if you didn't know that going into this film, 
you probably wouldn't know. You probably wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. Uh, knowing it, you can kind of find the scene, uh, the seams uh-huh. uh, in the scenes. Like the, the weird edits. Like there's some yeah. weird edits. They work with the best that they have. So they right. try to make it artsy. Uh-huh. And there's that whole fil- uh, scene in his old uh, loft uh-huh. where he's uh, kind of transforming. Or, he's, or at least remembering. he's remembering everything. And you yeah. see like the bullet wounds show up on his back. Exactly. And, and it was kind of a clever way to do it. His body kept up really well after a year of being dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like as a corpse... Because, I mean, this is, in essence, it is a zombie <laughs> action a zombie. film. Yeah, He's exactly. a zombie. And I'm like, wow, there's no decay. He looks really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can't. It's Brandon Lee. He's got to look good, right? Yeah. Like, they got to appeal to the uh, the fair of the sex. Sure, yeah. Um, or, or the masculine. That's true. If that's your thing. But uh, I appreciated that, yeah, so they took the stuff that they had already filmed and kind of mirrored it, you know, so you're seeing Brandon Lee... In the flashbacks, uh-huh. but then when somebody like would like punch him, they would cut to this body double that they had filmed, which I right body double, yeah, um, reacting in the. So you still kind of felt him in the scene, uh-huh. uh huh, and everything just worked. And then the, the scene of him like putting on the makeup for the first time, sure, that wasn't him either. No. They had to use his face and, and digitally when he, when map he it. punches the mirror. That was actually yes. a composited shot from when he was outside. That's right. They just took his face and put it in all the cracks in the mirror. So really creative use of, uh, man, making the best of a bad situation. I'll tell you what, dude. I mean, again, this is going to be something that sounds kind of dark. If Brandon Lee wasn't killed by the gun accident, he was going to die from pneumonia in this film. Yes, he's just constantly soaking. He was soaking wet. He's shaking, <laughs> shivering, freezing. And, and I think he's a good actor. He's not that good of an no. actor. Like, there are parts where he's talking to people, and you could hear that. You know, like, when you're super cold, and you try to talk to someone, and you're like, I'm, I'm sure you remember. Like, and that's he that, that fight with Tintin. Yes. And, he, and it's, like, raining, and it's cold, and they got, like, they got the freaking mist coming out of their mouths. Yeah. And that's not... This isn't when we did CG mist yeah, coming out of the, mouth. This the is social for network. Real. So like he's got the guy and he's got the knife up and he's like, I'm sure you remember. And I'm like, this poor Brandon, give him a jacket, give him a blanket. Well, or if something. he didn't die from those things, uh, he would have died from any other number of mishaps that happened on the set because this was like a cursed set. Uh, during the first day of shooting, uh, Carpenter suffered severe burns after his crane hit live power lines. Jeez. In subsequent days, a grip truck caught fire disgruntled sculptor crashed his car through the studio's plaster shop and a crew member accidentally drove a screwdriver through his hand. Oh, my God. A number of mishaps that uh, plagued this this film's production. Wow. Oh, and then one more piece of trivia. River Phoenix turned down the role to play... uh, Because he was dead. Because, no, no, no. But I told Jen, I was like, it's kind of like a Final Destination thing. Right. It's like, death found him anyway. Everybody who plays the crow. <laughs> Eddie Furlong played the crow. His career's oh, dead. Oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> there we true. go. Um, so, I want to get into the story now. Let's do it. Because we're talking about a lot of the stuff that happens like behind the scenes and yeah. narration. I had to get it like out that. of the way. Uh, so, this movie opens up, and we're in an active crime scene. Okay, so it's an active crime scene. You got guys that are on the scene dusting for prints and stuff, mm-hmm. but you still have a victim on the ground yes, bleeding yeah, out. They're really jumping the gun there on their <laughs> right? detective work. And they, at some point, and I'm like, thank God they do this. One of the EMTs goes over to Ernie Hudson uh-huh. and is like, "Hey, we've got a mover." And he's like, "Yeah, do it." And I'm like. <laughs> What you guys? You guys should have fucking moved should have been her, done before. Like immediately, I've as seen, soon as you were on the scene. I'm like, no forensic scientist, Joe, but I've seen enough episodes of CSI to know that uh, the dead body is usually gone by that point. <laughs> right? Time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. Well, she's still gasping. She's breathing. Yeah, it's like, hurry up and die already, like, so I'm we like, can just, dust you for fingerprints. You can, you can fucking get her to the hospital, man. <laughs> and late. then and then it cuts to the part where they got her downstairs, and you hear the Torres, Detective Torres. Yeah. He's like, I didn't give authorization to move her. I'm like, right. wait, what? Dick <laughs> cop. It's always got to be a dick cop in these. 
90s but there's movies. there's being a dick cop and he is a dick cop yeah but then there's also just being negligent in your duty as a <laughs> an officer of the law where you're like oh she's dying she's bleeding out she was raped stabbed i didn't say you could move her yet <laughs> keep her and so they're they're bringing her to the uh the 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 ambulance mm-hmm. and uh, ernie hudson walks over and she's like where's eric and his answer is don't worry about it <laughs> i'm like what she she was just brutalized and watched her fiance get thrown out a window. Yeah, she might want to. Don't worry about it. Impart some of that uh, information to her. Uh, Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see him. Fantastic in this, in this movie. Maybe his best role that I've seen him. Well, in. definitely better than when we saw him in Dragon Ball. Uh, <laughs> for his two scenes, for where he did nothing. Scenes. Yeah, but that was still it's horrible. Like I shaved my head he's, for this. He's so good in this movie. The 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 sincerity of the performance. One of my favorite parts of this movie is the scene where Eric Draven goes to his apartment, or goes to uh, Albrecht's apartment. Yeah, he like sneaks in. Like and Albrecht still has like the police hat on and stuff. Yeah, he's like, you're still he wearing your hat. He's like, you're still wearing your hat. <laughs> like little touches like that are fantastic. They're really good, but just the 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 earnestness of that scene and the way it's played back and forth. Mm-hmm. There's there's something very sweet about it. They had really good chemistry, mm-hmm. and uh, I enjoyed. Um, if I can move a little bit on to Brandon Lee, sure. His performance, I almost feel like Christopher Nolan was watching this and was like, mm, "I'm getting some ideas." That's one of the things I wrote down. I was like, "How much does Heath Ledger's Joker yes. owe to the Crow?" I think a lot. Yeah, I think that scene at the end where we've got like all the mobsters lined up on the table and they're all counting their money and putting their guns, and he just shows up into the room. And then kind of does that thing where he jumps up on the table and sits Indian style. And just his, he's so, like, they're obviously scared and they've got guns pulled. And he's just very nonchalant about it and cracking wise and doing his little tap dance near the end. It's like, yeah, this seems like a one for one Uh from that scene from The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. Oh, and just the way that the makeup is applied. Yeah, as it looks like the Joker. The jokes that he's telling as he goes in, he does, he tells the the Jesus Christ joke with Mm -hmm. Fun Boy. Yes. During the scene where he actually gets shot. Um, oh, that was the one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the scene. Uh, so, it, a lot of good things going on there. But yeah, I wrote that same exact note. I was like, "What Heath Ledger's Joker is very similar to the Crow in a lot of it's ways." Tracking wise, while he's murdering people. Uh, the um, the score and the soundtrack of this movie. And I, I wrote this note a couple of times, mm. just watching this movie. And I know I already mentioned it, where I'm like, "Man, we just need a version of this movie with just the soundtrack." It's so good. The it's so good. If maybe. If maybe a little too much of a product of its time, of, of the 90s. Uh, was it the Nine Inch Nails, Joe? It was, well, the, the Nine Inch Nails, the cult, or the cure. Yeah. Uh, there's there's definitely a, I'm wearing leather pants, and oh my God. I have eyeliner, and I have daddy issues this going on with the music. is so fucking goth and emo. Like, there's even a scene with but a this metal is, band playing, and they're like It feels like this moshing. is the movie that defined it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, ninety four, kind of right in the height of that, and I remember, dude, yeah, this is. Even though I hadn't seen this movie, it all of my friends had seen it, and it kind of permeated that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the scene, he's so fucking emo. He's he's playing guitar on a rooftop. Oh yeah, with his shirt off, with the amp like just hanging down over the side of the roof. His, and I, I was like, this is so emo. It can't get any more emo. And then he fucking trashes the guitar at oh, the end. Yeah. I'm like, well, I spoke too soon. <laughs> there you go. I, the Angst only thing that was missing, the only thing that was missing from that scene is someone screaming for him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, <laughs> turn that fucking guitar off. <laughs> uh, it's a, a very interesting because I'm assuming it's supposed to be Detroit. They don't ever straight up say it's Detroit, but uh, men- David Michael Kelly, yeah. who you know from the Warriors and from Dreamscape, 
awesome character actor and incredible in this movie too. Uh, David Patrick Kelly. David Patrick Kelly says something along the lines of like, which one of you Motor City motherfuckers wants to bet this gun isn't loaded? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's your only real hint that it's like, okay, this is Detroit. Even though the dialect and the accents people have in this movie usually don't match up to that. that. And the fact that it's a murderous hellscape Uh kind of uh, leans it towards Detroit territory. (laughs) The the fact that Top Dollar has like a straight up southern accent. Uh, yeah, I don't know weird. what what accent Skank has, but it seems a little southern. <laughs> like everybody seems head. like they're from everywhere except Detroit, Michigan. Well, they did shoot it in North Carolina. Yeah, um, and uh, oh, that was another thing that happened. A uh, hurricane came and destroyed some of the sets. I really didn't want the curl being made, unfortunately. Uh, and yet here we are with like four crow. Have you seen any of the sequels? Yes. Are I, any I, of them any good? No. All right. No. In fact, I asked I asked James Omar <laughs> that question at the Q and A. I was like, uh, "Hey, look, um, I, we're all friends here. <laughs> I need to know. I desperately need to know. What do you think of the sequels? Did you like any of them?" And he said, "I try not to." There you go. Uh, but he did say he did say one thing, and I, I kind of respect him for this. Uh, he said that he was afraid. Oh, first off, he was like, "Hey, man, they pay me." I get a check when they make one of these movies. Nice. So that's cool. And I love that he owns that. Like, hey, they fucking pay me. So go ahead and make your movie. And he had said, he was like, I was at first, I was afraid. I was petrified. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know. I was petrified to think that I could go on living a dream by myself. And I've spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong. And I grew strong. And I learned how to carry on. And so now I'm back. From outer space. <laughs> you motherfucker, you come on back with that smug look upon your face. Sorry, cut that part out. Uh, no, uh, so, <laughs> so so he said that he was afraid that the uh, the sequels would have diminished the work that Brandon Lee did and instead realized it just makes him look better. And That's a good point. And yeah. it's true. Man, Crow City of Angels was the next, it was the sequel that they made. Mm. And I think, I think the girl in it, uh, played by Mia Kirshner, is supposed to be a grown-up Sarah, if I remember correctly. Uh. I think she's supposed to be. So the the stories are supposed to kind of be connected. But then from there, like Crow Salvation was a, a movie about like some guy who gets uh, wrongly convicted of a murder and executed oh. and comes back to take out like the the guys that really did the crime. And then they did the, the Eddie Furlong one, the is that Crow the one Wicked with, Prayer. Is that the one with Kirsten Dunst? Yes. She's in one of these. Yeah, she was in the third one. Yeah. Uh, Not any good, though, huh? And then they did a TV show with Mark yes. DeCascos. The Iron Chef guy. Oh, that! Oh my God, he looks like Brandon Lee. Yeah, he's also in John Wick Three. No way! Yeah, he's I love that in guy. John Wick Three. But he was in the TV show, and the TV show was about the Eric Draven character, and kind of like uh. stretched the events of this movie out a little bit further. It was trash. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. It was garbage. Some things should just be just let them go. Let yeah. them die. This is a very special kind of movie. It's while I I like to say like it is a time capsule. I think that it's still a film that transcends. Uh, it's it's strong. It's it's good storytelling, good yeah. visual storytelling, great visuals. Yeah, uh, I, I man, that the soundtrack is one of the best. In fact, they had Record Store Day this past weekend, 
and they finally released the Crow soundtrack on vinyl oh, yeah? as one of the Record Store Day specials. Oh, nice. And I missed out and on it. you fucking missed it, yeah. And then I went on eBay, and like people are selling it for like $150. Of course. And, yeah. but, and these assholes have like these fucking posts on the eBay listings of like, support local record stores. And, like, <laughs> I tried. Bitch, when you're selling me a, 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 an album for 150 bucks that you bought for $25, yeah. are you I'm supporting no longer your... supporting the local record store. Exactly. Supporting your ass. Nice try, though. Uh, not going to buy from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's I think it's something that still stands on its own. It's a movie that you see the seams in when it comes to like the special effects. Uh, but when you take into consideration like the time it was made, yeah, I, I think it's it still has a lot going for it. At least it, it, it was intentional. Like yes, there are some seams in the special effects, but you don't really care because it's it, again, it's kind of hyper real. Mm-hmm. Um, my problems have to do with the uh, character development a little bit or lack thereof. Um, I guess I appreciate that we see what happened in flashback. We learn more about that character. But literally, the first scene, he's already dead. He yeah. and his girlfriend have already been murdered. He's lying there on the ground. Uh-huh. So but the, everything isn't that there happens kind of like a, a cool film noir like feel to that? That I, like we open up on the scene of the crime. I like it, except the fa- we never really get to know that it's halfway through the film before we're starting to kind of finally see what happened. And even then, we just know the events of the day he was murdered. We don't see... We see little snips here and there of he and his girlfriend from before. Oh, laughing, having a good time. Proposing. Walking along the, the beach. Yeah, exactly. See, I like that. I liked how they made it now. They, they made it work. Like, everything uh, he did, every step he took when he returned, we got a little bit more of the story as as he went along. Like, when he found his engagement ring. Yeah. In the pawn shop, and then suddenly we get the flash of him proposing. I, I like that. I feel like there needed to be a happy balance because, well, yes, we I appreciate those little nuggets that we learn along the way, but unfortunately, the first time we see him as a live human being, he's crawling out of the ground of and grave. like in pain. And it's like, well, I don't really know who you are, yeah. Except that you're this character who's been talked about. I know the Ernie Hudson character pretty good by this point, <laughs> but I don't know why I should care. I know about he likes you. onions on his hot dogs. And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give him one of them onions, man. Don't hold back on the onions. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know why we're supposed to really care about Brandon Lee too much, except for the fact that he was wronged. See, I feel like this is the kind of movie where if you gave too much character backstory, you'd start getting lost. Like, it would start getting a little muddy. Yeah. It doesn't... See, to me, it doesn't matter who Eric Draven really was. It matter, What matters to me is what happened to him. Like, the fact that what I know is... It's a couple, they were in love, mm-hmm. they were actually trying to do good for their neighborhood, and they were punished for it, wrongly. Yeah. And so... Now his spirit's back for revenge. That's all I need to know. That's what makes this movie work for me. That it doesn't it doesn't get bogged down in the backstory. I don't need to know like how Eric Draven became a musician you know, or like, how he met Shelley. I'm so glad that wasn't in this movie. That, I'm like, trying the to... meet cute between <laughs> Eric and Shelley. No, no, we don't need that. And you're right. We kind of get enough of what we know. I just feel like we don't learn it in the right order. I'm trying to think of another revenge film that I like. And how about Kill Bill? Kill Bill, we started with Uma Thurman already facing off with one of her foes. Uh-huh. And then we learn kind of what ha- happened in backstory along the way. But you're, you're describing like, every Tarantino film. Uh, yes, yes. He tells everything out of order. <laughs> True, but it's not just him. I don't know. I think this would have benefited from that. I would have liked to have seen him taking out one of the first guys and then learning why that guy was, deserved to be taken out and but what then happened what, to Brandon But what you're Lee describing is just an even, like... A more convoluted version of what we got, because yeah, uh, well, now now we don't even have that breathing room of like, okay, something bad's happened. 
These are the people that it happened to. And now a year later, this person's going to return. Now you're telling you, you want to open up on him fighting this person. Already is the crew. And find out, what the fuck? Why is this guy's face painted? Why is all this? Why is all that? Why, why is this happening? And then going back and getting that story. Sure. I, I like the lead up. I like the ramp. I like the... As much as I hated it in Up, the emotional oh, manipulation yes. yeah. of Up, I feel like the way that it's done in this is it's just enough. I, I, I agree with you that um, the benefits that it add to the film are, are, are valid, but I think it's at, you can't deny it's at the expense of some character development. Sure. Up front. Here's, here's the character development that I have a problem with is the fact that we kind of established that he's, he's immortal. Mm-hmm. And so watching him it's fight, like especially like fighting Tintin, where Tintin takes the pipe to him and he's hitting him and, and he's like, ah, oh, ah. And I'm like, but we know you're immortal right yeah. now. Like, it he, still hurts, though. It, it's like Deadpool. That's that's fine. But we know you're going to win because you're immortal. Kind of like, you know, minutes later, we see him get shot by Gideon. Yeah. Which, <laughs> How about that effect in a dude, hand? Dude, where it's just uh, clearly in somebody else's hand in front hand of a green screen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the Gideon character makes oh, me laugh so him. much because this is a guy that like... So Eric Draven busts into the pawn shop. Yeah. Gideon shoots him in the fucking chest and watches the wound close up before his eyes. Yeah, that's a nice shot. Still has the fucking audacity <laughs> to like, after cowering and be like, don't kill me, don't kill me. All right, well, I'm going to take this stuff. And then he starts walking away, and this motherfucker starts jawing at him. Like, they're going <laughs> to erase your ass. I'm like, you just watched him get shot in the chest and heal up, and now you're screaming at him, like, you're going to erase your ass. You're dead meat. You're going to be slime. And, like, what do you think? What do you think the long... What is the long game? Yeah, here? What's, what's your end What game? are you hoping to accomplish by doing this? Because this guy. You're pissing off the ghost. <laughs> exactly. Don't piss off the ghost. And then he does the same thing to Top Dollar later, where he's talking yes. to Top Dollar. And he's just. Did not learn his lesson he then. He doesn't learn his lesson. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get people that are like that. They're hotheads or something like that. Mm-hmm. But when you. Like, you are clearly in a situation that is, you're over your head. Yeah. You just held an eyeball that this person ripped out <laughs> of someone's skull. That's right. And you're not taking that seriously enough. I feel mm. like. Gideon was unrealistically, uh, uh, how do I want to, like, ignorant to the stakes and the, uh, the, the repercussions that were present due to his actions. Yes. Uh, I, I, and he pays for it with a sword in the throat. And some gunshots in the chest. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because he wasn't quite, he was like, <laughs> why don't you die, die already? That's, that's so great. It's hardcore, man. Uh, Good antagonist. I guess. Oh yeah, I like that guy. I like I, that actor. I think you have a collection of good antagonists in this. Yeah, movie. the whole gang, the the gang of five, I guess that he uh, systematically takes out one by one. That was responsible for the oof, brutal rape and well, murder. Of, yeah, it's super brutal. We, we heard a, hear a lot of details about that, and uh, that's that's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> this, this movie doesn't like women very much. Well, I guess not. Except for Sarah, I guess it likes Sarah, and it it kind of like glorifies the memory of Shelley Webster. And there's character development that I'll give you that we're missing is Shelly. Like, we we don't get, like, why she's, like, because she shows up at the end as this, like, ethereal yes, angel, basically. angel to come and collect him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why? Well, because <laughs> that's what, that's is that more what for, is he imagining that? Yeah, that's more closure for his story that it was all for good. And now they get to be real. You want a happy ending yes. in, a, in a revenge film. Because real love is forever. That's, that's Which was, right. I think was we also the tagline to Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> uh, Tintin, when he's in the oh, pawn shop with Gideon. I love that movie. The, Tintin, the Adventures Tintin? of? Yeah. Uh, 
when he's in Gideon's pawn shop mm-hmm. and Gideon pays him like 50 bucks for a purse or whatever, yep. and he's leaving, he calls Gideon a whole bunch of names. I don't know if you remembered this. No. But he's like, you chrome dome child molesting saprophyte motherfucker. I did, yeah, I noticed that because of the uh, subtitles were on. Well, uh, so I'm guessing Tin, Tintin was a biology major this guy went to, uh, before went to college, he yeah. turned to a career of rape and murder. <laughs> because who the fuck just throws saprophyte? Saprophyte? See, we can't out, even say it. Can't. Mm. He he throws saprophyte out so casually, mm-hmm. like it's something that everybody says. That's probably the third time today he'd called somebody a saprophyte. <laughs> saprophyte. Yeah. Like, is he is he Kanye, where he <laughs> learns a new word <laughs> and, and he, tries to throw it in everywhere? Works it into or is this smart. something that he's that he says? Because what this what this screams of is a writer who's trying to be more clever. And, and show the, the the audience how clever they are yeah. with their word usage. Learn a little something new in my But movie. I feel like Tintin is not the character you put that word in. Yeah, the guy with two swords, the blade ripoff, <laughs> <laughs> who is the first to be murdered. Yeah, probably yeah. not going to have the strongest vocabulary. <laughs> we never miss. I'm like, oh, I get it. From that piece of dialogue, you've now told me that for you to miss would be a big deal. And yeah, you so... do it three times. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Bye, Ling. Bai Ling. Remember Bai Ling? Do I? When we, t- when we talked about it, <laughs> Samurai I'll Cop 2. never forget her. her mesmerizing performances. I feel like Bai Ling... She seemed normal in this film. Well, no. I think that is... I think that is a testament to the ability of Alex Proyas <laughs> to get... To, to either get the uh, performance out of her or to cut the film in such right, a clever yes. way to make it seem like he got a good performance. She had like out five of lines and she was uh, she was coherent. I like the pretty lies. <laughs> <laughs> She's so weird. She's man. always weird in all these films, and I, I like her, her presence in this film fits right in because uh, everything is a little bit off with all these characters, mm-hmm. and you never know what could happen any minute. And sure enough, there she is. Uh, strangling a bird, saying some weird at stuff at the end. And when she's the one that determines. She's like, ah, yes, yes. He, to kill the bird, his comes. power comes from the bird. It's his gateway to the afterlife. It's like, wow, man. I, I just wish that I could uh, just be in the minds of these people yeah. as they were like, they were all trying to like, all right, we need to fix this <laughs> because Brandon's family has said they would like us to release this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to fix this and make it work. And just them like sitting around like. All right, so we're doing what? What if Bai Ling... Why are we giving her the expository dialogue <laughs> at the end of this movie? She's the only one they had left that could work for cheap. <laughs> she was the one that was available. Everyone else had shot <laughs> their scenes already. Everybody else had something else. Well, what but... about that 13-year-old girl? Can we get some exposition no, out of her? She's doing... I think... You know what, dude? I think she does... She only did, like, three movies, the girl who played Sarah. Sounds about right. And I think she still does, like, con appearances as, like... Oh, fuck yeah, dude. The Crows, Rochelle Davis. I'm like, man, that's 25 years She'll ago. She'll forever be. <laughs> you you were just the little the little skateboarder chick. Hey man. Um how do police departments work? Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is a loaded question. I feel, well, I feel like it's definitely not how it works in this movie. Yeah. Where you have a detective uh-huh. that has like a hard on for a beat cop. Yeah, he's on Torres. Well, at, at one point Torres is like, "Welcome to the first day of the rest of your suspension." And Albrecht's like, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, Captain's got the papers drawn up upstairs. Wait, what? I don't think that's how it works. No. I don't think a detective can just like 
recommend that someone that a B cop get suspended. I don't think that's the same like department. Like I don't think it's like he's a detective, right? So he outranks his B cop, mm-hmm. and then can also direct tell like, his, boss. his career. Like yeah, yeah, to like be like you need to suspend this guy. I feel like that's an HR violation that a detective <laughs> that he knows that this guy has like a suspension papers that are in the works. I heard it through the grapevine, maybe. <laughs> there, there are investigators, Joe. So you know, probably hard to keep a secret around that. Place. But it's part of the problem with that that character arc is that there really isn't a reason the character we, arc. Well, yeah, <laughs> with that guy, we, we don't need him. With he's pockmarked. He's face. unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, he's a good actor. I've seen him in a bunch of other things. Sure, he's a good actor. And I'm curious where this story was supposed to go. Um, there's more to him with because the... there, well, there's no comeuppance because at the end, Albrecht's shot yeah. might die. Uh, and suspended. <laughs> Just bad day for him. I know, right? And and what he gets on Torres is like, you missed it. You should have been here. Your your vigilante was here. Roll him away. Like, okay, yeah, wait, there's no, there's no, like, that's the guy. Yeah. Of all the villains, of all the antagonists in the movie, Torres is the one that I kind of really wanted to see the screws get put to. Yeah, you wanted end. you wanted the uh, staple of Marshmallow Man to just drop a load of marshmallows <laughs> yes. on him at the end. <laughs> Tell him about the Twinkie. Can I see the containment facility, <laughs> Dr. Bankman? You didn't say the magic word. <laughs> what is a magic word, <laughs> Dr. Bankman? <laughs> Fucking smarmy ass. <laughs> uh, listen to our... What, what was he in last week that we saw him in? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Hmm. It, Die Hard? We talked about Die Hard. Well, we were else. talking about Transformers. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, so what else? Because we talked about the Skull Cowboy. That's one of my notes. We're talking <laughs> about like the changes that were supposed to be in the movie originally. Um, How about it, the, the the gang? So it's these five guys that he's he's exacting revenge that, upon. That ingest bullets. That all, uh, what? You remember that? No. When they're in the bar and they're like, oh, that's right. the bullets and then they Puts take a shot. Puts it on his tongue and takes a shot. Who yeah. the fuck does that? Uh, some, these guys, some crazy <laughs> guys who go around just murdering and raping your... your uh, because when when that thing makes its journey through your 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 body, it's gonna come out at some point. Yeah, ow! <laughs> That's how tough they are, Joe. <laughs> they don't care. They're like the Droogies from um, the what? From uh, the what? They're like the what? The Kubrick movie with the uh, the Droogies, uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, yes, my Droogies. <laughs> what you call them? Yes, darling. They just go around and uh, wreak havoc. That's right. But yeah, it's pretty. I, 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 it's really tough to watch the point of view flashbacks yeah. of like all five of these guys. We, every time Brandon Lee's about to kill another one of them, we kind of see what they did. Their flashback and how they were involved and why they deserved to die and the role they played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, they all just fucking took turns with, yeah. with poor Shelly, except for they? Except for T-Bird. Yeah, that's right. He's T-Bird the one who never didn't. did it, but he was he he also had that weird '90s trope where it's like we've got a villain, let's have him read Bible verse, or in this yes. case, Dante's Inferno. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little tired, but it, no, I get you. It was it's it's in your face, like the way that they did yeah, it. Literally. They did the POV version of it, but at some point, it kind of gets a little confusing. Where you're like, okay, are they doing that to Eric, or are they doing that to Shelley? <laughs> Look, oh, that's well, because right. Yeah, I because was I was a little confused. I didn't think they were raping Eric, that's but a good point. at one point, like uh, uh, Tintin has the knife, and I'm like, oh, is he like hanging out over Eric while that they're doing be. their thing with Shelley? And he's it like, hey. should be from his point of view, right? Yeah, right. Except no, he's seeing the flashback through Ernie Hudson, but from her point of view, Ernie Hudson didn't see any of that stuff. Yeah, happen. that's weird. Well, he's oh, and, yeah. and that's where at the end, like the whole like I'm giving you thirty the, hours of pain, pain all, all at, at once. once, all for you. And the thing is, like he he got that from Ernie Hudson, where he's like you were with her the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
Like you're telling me, Ernie Hudson. Okay, Ernie Hudson was with her the whole time, but he wasn't feeling it. Yeah, but somehow so he absorbed. How did he absorb? Like, how did Eric Draven had all the pain that Shelley stored felt? up in her? I don't know. And maybe you know, maybe that's a question we don't really need to be asking ourselves when we're so. talking about a supernatural movie about a yeah. a man who comes back <laughs> from the dead. I like that they didn't really play up. It wasn't until the end, and it almost felt like it was a studio note, where it's like the way Eric fought wasn't necessarily like martial artsy. It, mm. it, this wasn't a martial arts film. No. This was definitely like an action revenge movie. Uh, and the only time it gets like weirdly martial artsy is at the end you were talking about where the gunfight at the end where he's flipping over the tables yeah. and, you know, fighting 20 guys at once. That definitely felt like a studio note, like like a Miramax Harvey Weinstein right. was like, hey, we need some kick ass. We need some chop sake. Get in there. I don't care. Get like a group of 20 guys. They got guns and you just beat them all up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. You've taken what has been like a really intimate revenge story, and then suddenly... You, now it's The Matrix. It, you amped it up to The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that... It, it doesn't hurt the film, but it definitely feels out of place for the film. Uh, you know, but at that point, I didn't mind it. At that point, I kind of needed a big shoot 'em up climax, and I was fine with that. Um, and again... Beautiful to look at, beautifully shot. Um, I, so, I love that. So cool. Leading into that scene, there's an overhead shot with this this camera that tracks along, and it's looking down on the table, yeah. and all the thugs as they're all loading their guns, uh-huh. and then it gets to the end, and the, the main bad guy sits down. There's a lot of very well-planned-out shots like that. Yes. This guy really... Uh, I always appreciate it when a director um, shoots his films with intention, and uh-huh. you can tell, like, he had the edit in mind as he was filming to oh, know sure. the pieces that he. This wasn't just like a bunch of fire hosing. Oh, we're just gonna we'll shoot it's, a bunch of stuff. This we'll, wasn't a Michael Bay production. We'll, yeah, exactly. We'll figure it out in post. Um, there's a definite uh, flow um, and pacing to this film. Okay, that, uh, masterfully done. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but I think that some of the screenplay was not as masterfully planned out. <laughs> Probably. What was the point of Top Dollar? Like, what, what was his, his mission? That's the thing, too. And you don't even find out how he's connected. And it's a very tenuous connection, too, you find at the end. It's like, oh, well, nothing happens I to- I in this block without my permission. And uh-huh. so, I guess. But he wasn't physically raping your dead girlfriend right. now. And so. that's why in the original, like, version of the movie it was with the him, Skull right? Cowboy. No. Oh. In the original version of the movie with the Skull, Skull Cowboy. Cowboy rapes and he was like, you know, no, he wasn't one of the people. You you got your revenge. Now you come with me to the afterlife. Oh, and uh, and but Sarah gets kidnapped, and Eric's like, no, I've got to go save her. And so the Skull Cowboy takes the power away. It had nothing to do with the crow getting killed, hmm. which I think we talked about already. Yes, we did. Um, so it's, but what I'm talking about is the content. The t- <laughs> I forget we're recording. So. What I'm talking about is the uh, he has that monologue where he's talking to everybody, and he's like. You know, what is it? What do we do? What? Why do we do what we're doing? Yeah. And, you know, like revenue, benefit, like what? And I'm trying to figure out how are they making money off of what they're doing? What is it that he does other than being an owner of a pretty successful club, I guess? Seems like a pretty shitty landlord, what, basically. Yeah, but they had this whole plan with Eric and Shelly. Like they were trying to clear out the building yeah, for what? And clean it up. To clean, just to make a better neighborhood. No, get no, the no. Riffraff but out what was Top Dollar and his crew? Oh. They were just trying to like evict everybody. Because no one's living in that building anymore. That's not a very good money-making endeavor. No, no. Yeah. I thought maybe oh they want to they want to get everybody out so that way they can rent you know sell the the property yeah. to somebody else you know like sell the property out from underneath these residents. But a year passes <laughs> and, so and Eric Draven there. returns. Nobody's living there, exactly. and the crime scene tape is still up. Yeah, <laughs> that'll, that'll really uh, have a have a dampening effect yeah. on your property value. 
And you're still paying taxes on that. That's, yeah, that's and true. And nobody's living there? Not very this smart. It's bad business. Yeah. Well, it's Detroit. You know, they don't have the <laughs> brightest. The, the one guy who had new... Don't drink the water. One guy who knew big words there to kill the yeah, first sacrifice. Act, so. <laughs> Should have kept him around, man. I <laughs> know, right? Get him on the books. He might, have, might have been able to help out a little bit. <laughs> Dude, we haven't talked about Tony Todd. That did, oh, the fucking Candyman is candy in, man this, is in yeah. this movie. And he's really cool in this like a small bit role, but I like him in that. Yeah. Right? yeah he's, like the, um, he's like the Nick Fury. He's like bad Nick Fury. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Dirk Anger. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm referencing the next wave comic right there. Uh, okay. So, uh, no, he... He shows in the first line you hear, he's like talking to a couple of chicks. He's like, Why don't you come back later? Check me out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you are so fucking cool, Tony Todd. <laughs> hey, I'm here to talk to the boss man. He's taking a meeting. Wink. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I wanted more of him. I really wanted more of him. He's fun. He was in The Rock. He was one of my what? favorite characters in The Rock. Yeah, dude. Oh, in that, in that the, one the scene? Rocket, the Rocket. He was one of the bad guys. He's like, I want my fucking money. But he's in the scene oh, with Nicolas yes. Cage. Where Nicolas Cage is like, do you, do you like music? Do you like Elton John? He's like, I don't like that pussy ass I forgot shit. that was him. Yeah. Listen to a rock episode from a couple years ago. That's right. We did do that. We did. Of course we did. Of course. Um, what other notes do you have? Because other than that, like all my notes are about how awesome the soundtrack is to this. <laughs> okay. Well, my... which I feel like you don't you don't dig quite as much. No, I like. Well, I, I'm when you say soundtrack, I'm trying to distinguish between the score, the score? And, the, and the music. Yeah. Like, so no, they're you, both both, they're both right? amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did enjoy the '90s uh, hits. Uh, that really <laughs> brought me back. <laughs> they were, Time man. To home to <laughs> Listen, that's the scene came on. And Jen and I both started like singing that song. Like, I was like, why is, this, why is this movie talking over my song right now? Pause. Um, no, yeah, I, I like that. Uh, the, the score, I guess, didn't really jump out at me. But it didn't offend me either and, and seemed to be... It didn't offend me. I am offended. <laughs> uh, listen, sometimes scores do, do offend me. Yeah. Oh, Annihilation? Yeah, that's right. It was haunting. Uh, is that, what that was. That is, a, that is a great word. God damn you. Uh, but my, my last note has to do with this gang of five who are supposed to be so menacing. You, and... You've been wanting to talk about this gang of five, and I'm like, no, I, I'm going to derail us and go this, this way. The one problem I have with them is uh, they really seem lame when... After they have done all these horrible things, that then yell out to their car, and then simultaneously in unison, like fist pump, fire it up, fire, like that's their fucking motto, like yeah. that's their rallying cry, fire it up, fire it up, that's like a, cheerleaders. Like this is an R-rated movie, shouldn't it be like fuck yeah or fuck fuck, fuck yeah, <laughs> America, <laughs> fuck yeah. But fire it up. Like, what self-respecting thug is going to run around town? lighting the city on fire. Yeah, I get it, but weren't you... Was I the only one rolling my eyes How did they make money off of that? (laughs) Like, he goes back. David Patrick Kelly goes back and reports to Top Dollar, and he's like, Arcade Games fell down, went boom. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So did you rob them first? Did we rob them, or did, did we establish that, like, whoever the proprietor is of that place is, like, paying you... To, to destroy it so they can get an insurance it's like payout. insurance scam? But yeah, I think after the third scams, or fourth time that happens. Insurance scams work best when you're not actually destroying the property. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> then you're just actually paying to get it repaired. I don't know. Uh, I, I like the characters, but I also I agree with you. I think there was a little bit of a, a, a lack of direction when it came to them. Yeah. Uh, Joel, would you recommend this movie? Sure, yeah. Um, great visual style. Um th- there's not a lot to hate about this film. It's got like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes with uh, audiences who I yeah, think is pretty spot on. Yeah, I can recommend it. It's, it's got enough mood and action, but it's also uh, edgy enough. You know, it's, it's adult enough. 
um, without getting too... It's not like a hard Quentin Tarantino R yeah. where you're just going to feel the torture of these characters. Dude, if like, it was a Quentin Tarantino movie, though, you'd have like somebody go on for like five minutes about some a lot random, of monologues. A random monologue about like, you know... the And, and you know what? They get close to it when mm-hmm. you open up in the arcade and, uh, and T-Bird is like, you know, they once said Lake Erie caught on fire because of all the shit that was poured into it. I wish I could have seen that. But then immediately then, after boom, that, goes into it. they cut in, yeah. And I'm like, that seems like the kind of thing that if it was in a Tarantino movie, that monologue would have been five minutes <laughs> going long. on for a while. Yeah. You know, Lake Erie, there was a guy, he used to live on the in the campgrounds right by there. It would have been Christopher Walken. Like, <laughs> See, I was trying to do Christian Slater. Oh. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and then suddenly it turns into Jay uh, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Jay oh, that too. <laughs> Back when I lived in Michigan. <laughs> to impression roulettes. I, um, I lived... Near Lake Erie. Uh, and one day I went outside and it was so weird because it caught on fire because of all the stuff that was in it. I love your Jay Bershaw, man. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, I would absolutely recommend Of course. This Fuck yes, yeah, it's I great. Would. This is a fantastic film. Uh, it was great in 1994. It still holds up it's to me in average 2019. Now. It's so good. Dude, it's so good. This film has the kind of heart uh, that you want in a movie like this, in a revenge film. Like, I would put this up against, like, revenge films of today, like your Taken, uh, and yeah. all the Taken clones. This this is far superior to stuff like that. Uh, the storytelling alone of what's going on, yeah. it's it's really beautiful. And even though there are a lot of characters in there, you never really... Like, I always knew who everyone was. Even if I didn't know their name, I knew their face. Um, and it, it doesn't feel like there's too much going on. There's just enough story. Not just who everyone was, but they also really did a great job in establishing where everybody was. Like, the establishing shots were so creative, yeah. where you'd see the crow fly across a wall that said Gideon's. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, now we're he's at the, at the pawn, pawn shop. shop. Or he's, like, climbing up yeah, the, the ladder <laughs> maybe at the pawn shop yeah. Yeah. Uh, alright so what did the crow do right um, I, I'm gonna say that it took it's, uh, it's sourest lemon and made lemonade out of it uh, I think the ideas they came up with to um, visually propel this film forward I think maybe it, it's better it's hard to say but it's a better film because of the tragedy that happened because now we're able to get artsy with some of the some of the scenes and some of the transformations I realized as he's walking back into his apartment the stuff that was shot post posthumously um, they do do a POV shot and you uh-huh. see his kind of hand open the door and, the, and it's like would they have shot it that way if they had Brandon Lee well no they wouldn't have but I think it's more effective because now we're literally, you know, he's been dead for a year yeah. and now he's waking up and, and we're, we're seeing it literally seeing it through his eyes. So stuff like that, um, I, I I think it's a better film because of what they were working with. Yeah. Uh, I think that this movie, uh, God, what it does best is something that's very rare for movies that we talk about. And what it did was it defined a genre. It defined a generation. It yeah. took... It took everything we knew about comic book movies and everything we knew about, like, for lack of a better term, superhero movies. Mm-hmm. And it did something so wholly unique and, and different and, and pure in the sense of filmmaking. It, it's a really, a really great film as far as a superhero movie goes. Like, The Avengers is awesome. Winter Soldier is a great movie, too. But as far as, like, tapping into a, a very visceral... And and primal part of us and like our feelings, love, hate, betrayal, yeah. uh, revenge, and the way that it taps into that in such a, a, a an unrefined way, but makes such a beautiful product is yeah. like 
I, I couldn't I could go on and on about this, I and agree. I think that falls squarely on the shoulders of Alex Proyas. Oh yeah, he's definitely a visionary for his time, and yeah. You forget this movie came out in '94, and, uh-huh. and I when I think of it, I think of oh, like Blade. I think of The Matrix. I Those came out that, you know, way later, '98 and '99, yeah. respectively. So it's like, oh yeah, he was really ahead of his time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did the crow do wrong? <clears throat> Killed Brennan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Well, that's the obvious answer. Um, but no, for me, I think uh, again, go, kind of going back to the characters, I wish I would have known a little more about him, and I would have been able to side with him earlier if I. I, again, do what Deadpool did. You know, the first Deadpool starts off in the middle of an action scene. He's already in costume. He's already exacting revenge, or at least he's after you know Francis. Yeah. And then we go back and, and tell the story. If you're going to have flashbacks in your story anyway, well, then lean on it. Give us a little taste up front. Uh, let us know this character, because him crawling out of a grave and that being his big reveal is not as effective as if we get to see him as a character first. So right. uh, some character development issues for me. But again, that's that's nitpicking. Uh, I think I already touched on it earlier, is a lot of the stuff that they did with the Sarah character. I think I think seeing this movie, like her being our avatar as the, the little viewer, girl. Yeah. Uh-huh, I think that was the wrong choice. I think Albrecht, I think the Ernie Hudson character yeah. was the, the character we should have it's been experiencing Gordon. through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also... The fact that his performance is so strong, like yes. he is so good. This is, I mean, I love him in Ghostbusters as Winston, but I really do think this is like this is the dude's one of his. It's it's got to be his best performance. Yeah, um, and I think to have spent more time with him would have been way better. Instead, he seems a little detached. It's weird because he seems detached from everything that's going on, yet he's like Danny Reagan from Blue Bloods, where he's everywhere. Something's happening. <laughs> yeah, that's he's, right. He's at he he shows up at the pawn shop. As soon as it blows up and and Eric Draven comes walking out. In fact, that's when uh, James O'Barr has a cameo. He's one of the looters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Uh, But there's so many great things that he's doing. Like after Eric disappears there and uh, and he's talking to himself and he's like, just disappear. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, it beats that walking against the wind shit. I hate when they do that. It's like, yeah, was great character building dialogue, like Uh, just the stuff that builds him up. But again, going back to that scene between him and Eric in the apartment, it's like, Wow, this is so good. Like just between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of feel like I wonder if this if that's what the scene was. I wonder if it was just Alex and maybe like a camera operator. They got the guy set the lights and stuff and then leave and then just let Brandon let Lee and Ernie Hudson do out. the scene. And cuz there's something that feels so intimate. natural mm-hmm. and intimate about that. Um all right, so if call? we were going to uh Oof. If we were going to remake The Crow now, yeah. uh, how would we do it? I recast 15. I recast <laughs> almost everybody in this movie. And I have 14. I tried to get them all, and uh, you, you, one evaded me, but uh, I think I've got the rest. Well, let me ask you, do you have a theme? I do not have a theme. I do. Oh. So do you want me to just go through it? Um, I mean, there's so many characters here. There's a, there's a lot of characters. I feel like, we, can we go by, one by one, and I'll let's just try to guess your go on. theme? Go okay. on. Uh, y- you will. Who do you it, want to start it'd with? it be easy. Okay. Uh, let's just start, start at the bottom. Who's it? Who's your boss? Uh, Mickey. Uh, oh, and he, he, he's the one I didn't do. The hot dog vendor. Yeah, the hot dog vendor. I feel like. Oh. I feel like my Mickey's going to give it away immediately. All right. Uh, my Mickey would be played by Mark Hamill. Uh, okay, <laughs> maybe it does give it away. Well, maybe you should blow through yours then. Huh? Okay, does that yeah. make sense? All right, here we go. Okay. Uh, the uh, the Torres character mm-hmm. is going to be played by Oscar Isaac. He's the okay. All right, I like that. The Gideon character mm-hmm. played by Hayden Christensen. He's the uh, the pawn, the shop, pawn shop guy. Interesting. Grange. This is the Tony Todd character, mm-hmm. played by Billy D. Williams. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fun perfect. boy. Fun boy would be Solo's 
Alden Ehrenreich. All right, I like it. Uh, Tintin would be played by John Boyega. <laughs> yep, yep. Skank, played by Woody Harrelson. <laughs> nice. T-Bird would be Ewan McGregor. And okay. uh, right. honorable mention, Bradley Cooper. Uh, just... That was no, no, no. It has nothing to do with the theme. Okay. I just felt like he would have played that role really well. He could too. have done that well, mm-hmm. yeah. But no, no, no. Uh, Darla, the mom who we didn't yes. even really talk about, Mother the, of Sarah, the prostitute, who says "huh" at the end of every line. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Why don't you guys put your guns away, huh? huh? Why don't you go get yourself something to eat, huh? <laughs> I, I don't like her. She was in one of one of my favorite movies, is True Romance. Oh yeah, and she's at the very beginning with Christian who Slater. Is she? She's she's some chick at a bar with oh, okay. Christian Slater at the very beginning. He's talking about Elvis, how he would have probably I remember. he would have probably fucked Elvis, uh, and asks her to go see some kung fu movies, and she's like, "No, thank you, not my scene." Like she's in that. She's also in Unforgiven. Hmm. She did a lot of movies in the nineties. They didn't like she, her, huh? She did some movie with um, Carla Gugino Ooh. about these two women that rape another woman. Jesus, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. But she was one of the ladies. Uh, that did that to Carla Gugino. I won't be looking that up. But I, 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 she's always rubbed me wrong as an actress. Like I just, I don't, I don't like her. She didn't do much for me. No, no. Uh, so my Darla would be Laura Dern. <laughs> okay, yep. Uh, nice. Shelley Webster. No, I'll, I'll say no. Shelley. Yeah, Shelley anyway. Webster, played by Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, the Bailing character, Micah, played by Kelly Marie Tran. Sure, of course, yeah. Rose. Top Dollar, uh-huh. played by Domino Gleason. Oh, nice. I like that. Okay, uh, of course. Albrecht? Yep. Played by Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I also put in my, my honorable mention, I thought Army Hammer would have been a good Officer Albrecht. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, the, uh, the the girl, oh, no. played by Bo Gadsden. Who is she? She played young Jin or so in oh, Rogue Jesus. One. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, there just, you go. That's I was fine. desperate to find a child. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cut that part out. Cut no, that part don't, out. Yeah. Just don't isolate that at all. Uh, and then, obviously, Eric Draven. Adam Driver. Adam Driver. He yeah. would be my... And J.J. Abrams directing it. That's hilarious you say that because... I did that in honor of the Star Wars trailer. Of dropping. course, which we'll be talking about here shortly. Um, my Eric Draven, also Adam Driver. Get the fuck out I of town. I don't have a theme going on. That wow. was Jenna came up with that one. I was like, yes, obviously. Look at the way he walks. Look how tall he is, how muscular he is. But with the long hair and the angular features. And, and no shirt. No, Yeah, man. Yeah. We've, we've seen what he's got going on underneath mm, that Kylo Ren outfit, yeah. man. I want some more of it. Uh, so let me work my way down. So uh, he's he's the crew, Adam Driver, Officer Albrecht. I'm going to go Idris Elba with that guy. Oh, fantastic. For Sarah, the little girl. Uh, she, this actress is a little bit older, but she still kind of plays young. Her name is Anya Taylor-Joy, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll know her from Splits and the recently released Glass. She plays... Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen either of well, those When yet. you see them, you will know her. <laughs> uh, Darla, I went with Jennifer Connelly because she'd have to be her mother. It's kind of fantastic. A, a brunette there. Top Driver, man, I could not look at this guy and not Top think dog? of... Top dog is that his name? Yeah, is? you said top driver because that's so what like I you're wrote looking at Adam Driver because I had written uh, I was writing <laughs> yes top dog Jesus top driver it's like you're at uh, top top golf. dollar not top dog top, top dollar. dollar that's what it is uh, I couldn't look at that guy <laughs> top, top cat I love that cartoon <laughs> I couldn't look at him without thinking of James Franco motherfucker yeah. looks like James Franco so I'm gonna have James Franco car car bang fuck I'm dead yeah Micah I'm gonna go with Constance Wu. From uh, Crazy Rich Agents. Yeah, and Fresh Off the Boat. Tintin. I'm going to pull uh, from last week's Transformers and go with Tyrese Gibson nice. for Tintin. Fun Boy. Uh, somebody who was in another one of the Crow films. I didn't realize until earlier, but Thomas Jane. How about him as Fun Boy? Wait, Thomas Jane? Thomas was he, Jane was, was he in, in City of Angels? He was in, I don't remember which one it was. I was on IMDb wow. uh, earlier and saw okay. it. So uh, just believe me. Holy shit. Don't question that. Wow. Um, don't question it. Shelley. Um, well, actually, l- l- let me do the rest of this. So we did Tintin, we did Fun Boy, T Bird. I'm gonna go with Jackie Earl Haley, mm-hmm. who is a Rorschach. Oh, that's good. 
or Freddy Krueger from the remake. Skank, I went with Brecken Meyer. <laughs> Because uh, oh my god, he seems kind of like a tweaked out really crackhead. Good. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Shelley. How about Marina Baccarin basically playing the same Marina role Baccarin. she plays in uh, Dead, Deadpool. in Deadpool Two? And yes, where he specifically keeps trying Deadpool, to get back to her. Right. Yeah, Grange went with Anthony Mackie in that role. I think it has to do with the fedora, though. Yeah, because I see him from uh, the Adjustment Bureau. Have you ever seen that film yes. with Matt yeah. Damon? Didn't like it very much. Oh, dude, I love that film. Didn't like it very really much for some reason. We should. We, I'm adding that to the list because uh, <laughs> you're on the list. That's a that's a good one. And then uh, a couple more. I went uh, with Gideon. Went with Joe Pesci. Jenna nice. came up with that oh one my as well. God. And then Torres, the other cop. How about Michael Pena? Danny DeVito would have been a good Gideon. Well, too. we did, that was her first thing. I was like, eh, he's maybe a little too old, but uh, yeah, Joe- Michael Pena was Torres. Yeah, Torres. Oh, <laughs> we just I just got Sarah to watch Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes, we were just watching that and earlier she, too. She dug it. She said she really. Of course, dug it. I fell great. asleep while she was watching it. But wow, that she uh, speaks she volumes. Um, cool. Nice. Well, uh, if you have any ideas on how you would recast The Crow or thoughts about the movie that we didn't touch on, let us know. Go to facebook.com slash editing bay or in the search bar, put in the editing bay. Find that image of the woman with the bleeding eyes. Click on that, and that's where you could talk back to us and uh, let us know all your thoughts. And uh, if you also have an idea for a movie that you'd like for us to consider watching in the future, mm. go ahead and put your ideas there. We've also got a website, right, Joel? We sure do, Joe. And since we've got uh, Facebook live streaming, I'm going to direct this towards the camera and do my little spiel. EditingBay.com. It's not Editing Bay. What is it? It's not The Edit Bay. It's not The Editing Bay. It's EditingBay.com. So it is that first one. It is one. EditingBay.com. Go there, bookmark it. You're always going to find everything you need to know about The Editing Bay right there on our little URL. You're going to find links to all of our social media networks, the aforementioned Facebook page, which if you're on Facebook right now watching us, just click on over to The Editing Bay. We're almost done here. Click down there. That's Yeah. yeah. Or click. Right, right. Is or, it up here? Or, it's over here. I'll put it in the description down there. here. There you go. I was up <laughs> when they do that in YouTube videos. Like, click here yeah, or here. Or here. It's like, how do they do that? It's magic. It's Editing Bay. Or if you don't like Facebook, a lot of people leaving Facebook nowadays, Joe, <laughs> uh, and going over to Twitter. Well, we're there too, motherfucker. On uh, <laughs> our Twitter handle is NSFW, by the way, is uh, at the editing bay. If you're going to follow us there, you're going to know what movies we're always doing. We'll keep you up to date there. I think I already pre announced what this one was. And if you follow us, you'll know two weeks in advance again. All that and more on editingbay.com. Guys, please leave us a rating and a review on your podcasting app. Five star rating would be fantastic, uh, even if it's criticism. Uh, make it five star criticism. We could deal with that, um, and uh, and yeah, then tell your friends and let's let's grow this show. Uh, so yeah, dude, trailer dropped. Let's do celebration it. on Friday. Star Wars. Um, so having to sit through like forty eight minutes of mm-hmm. Stephen Colbert talking to like the cast and crew. Oh Jesus! Of, and, and I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on this, but if I have to hear fucking Anthony Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> no, when he was like the first one they brought out, I was, I was like, like okay, like, let's get this on with we all. He, what insight is he going to add at this I know, point? Right? Yeah. And, the, and the fact that like I'm so sick of listening to him speak. Like, <laughs> look, dude, you haven't been an actual key member of this. Like, uh, par- you're not part of the story. Get the fuck out of here. Well, yeah, Bring the- out John Boyega. Bring me Daisy Ridley. I want to hear what they have to say. He had to, to plug his autobiography, his though. Book. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, God bless that Tell guy. Tell me if you would like this title. <laughs> Telling you the odds. Yeah. Like he is C three PO. He absolutely is. Like his, he. There's no escaping it. So he's just leaning into it at this yeah. point. And like, uh, yeah, good, good on you. But it just he's it, earned it, Joe. That panel just it went on forever. They always do. And then like they bring they they ask. I was like, okay, so he's going to ask every one of these cast members something about their lives or something about the experience. And when they got to the guy that plays Chewbacca, I'm like, 
Who, who gives a fuck? Can we just like? And I know that's me being immature and just needing to have like the patience to like mm-hmm. wait, just wait and watch the trip. But eventually, it happened. Yes, it did. Um, and they put so much into this trailer. Like, oh, you think so? I feel like there's so much in there to like. Technically, this is like inspect. a teaser. There will be a full-on trailer, you know, months before that it comes out. In and December. man, I, I I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. I I was noted. I I was struck initially by um, how similar to the flow was, and I, and I remember this when the last Jedi teaser trailer was released. Oh Shut my the fuck god! On my favorite. Um, but the uh, it mirrored the Force Awakens trailer, kind of almost uh, in tone uh, and in structure. Kind of beat for beat, it starts off. Well, it, I think somewhere on YouTube you can kind of see a side by side, and uh-huh. even even down to oh, here's a shot of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, here's a shot of a stormtrooper being shot. Sure. Like they were really one to one. Like there's a DNA to a Star Wars. Kind trailer. of, yeah, exactly. And and I feel like they kind of did this with this third one too, which which is perfect. Let's just round it all out. So so my experience seeing it for the first time was I was at a disadvantage. Yeah. Because somebody at work decided to schedule a meeting. Oh god. At 12:05 oh p.m. <laughs> uh, like, like I'm in my lunch hour. I'm like I'm in the clear, right? They'll drop the trailer at lunch. I'll be able to watch it live and yeah. watch it a couple of times. Nope. My 5-minute meeting happened right when they uh, debuted the trailer. Oh, so no. I'm on the line. I'm on a conference call and I've got my iPad up over here. So I'm visually watching it, but I'm having to <laughs> listen to all this. So if you can change at time code 22, we want you to change out the the shot, swap this out. And I'm like I'm not listening to a fucking thing you're saying right now because I'm just seeing Star Wars in my eyeballs. Yeah, just just send me an email. Just, just let me know. Just send an email. So um, I was so distracted that I, a lot of that didn't sink in. And until you hear the audio that goes along with it, yeah. really kind of drives it home. The, the, Mark, Hamill the Mark Hamill narration. narration. And then, of course, we'll talk about the the laugh at the end. Uh-huh. But, but I, I don't know how I feel about the title. Yeah? I don't. I don't think I like the title. I wanted something a little more. Now, I'm sure it'll make sense. The, the title to me feels like it serves no other purpose than to troll. Like it's a really? trolling title. And that's J.J. Abrams. I get it. He's all about the mystery box. That's fine. This trailer is full of mystery. Uh-huh. Like just leaving you little breadcrumbs here yeah. and there. Oh, who's in the TIE Fighter? Is it Kylo Ren? Yes, yeah. of course it is. Or is um, it? Of course it is. But he wants you to think that maybe it's Maybe else. it's Domino Gleason. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, anything could happen, but that seems impossible. Uh-huh. Um, but everything there is kind of teasing you, uh, and especially, and then we see the uh, the the broken up Death Star at the end. That has me a little worried, yeah, because I'm like, that was one of the major criticisms of Force Awakens. People that kind they... of universally love that film, except for the fact that here we are again. We've got another Death Star uh-huh. uh, that that's sitting in for it, and. And also, he relied so heavily on you know the, the imagery of the fallen star destroyer in Force uh-huh. Awakens. Well, are, are we just doing that again? Are we retreading things well, that you tried in Force Awakens just because it worked? Here's why I don't mind that mm-hmm. because it seems like throughout the course of these three films, or at least the last two, yep. it seems like what we're doing is we're picking up traces of the Force left behind, like and and to retread, for lack of a better term, to retread familiar familiar territory. Mm-hmm isn't so much retreading familiar territory. It is like the path to discovery. It's I like that. following the clues of the mystery of the force to unlock eventually like what the, what the secret is. I hear you. Uh, I'm fine so with that. I, I kind of dig that seeing the fallen death star mm-hmm. is like, Oh, there's, there's probably a, a huge trace of the force left over here and probably very important to the, the growing uh, connection that Ray has. And also, 
the story of, and what I'm assuming, what I still believe in my heart, is going to be the redemption story of Anakin. Kylo Ren Ben Solo. Oh, yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think that's who the Skywalker that is rising is going to be. But he's not a Skywalker. He is. He's Ben Solo Skywalker. He's of the Skywalker bloodline. I mean, I guess so, but why... I see. I <clears throat> he's the the son of Leia, but nobody has been referring to him as a Skywalker. And to maybe this point. that's l- deliberate. Uh, it seems odd that he would then take up his uncle's last name. I, I hear you, and that does seem his, the obvious his grandfather's way to last end name. It. I guess so. Who he emulates as Vader? Like he held, he had the mask of Vader. I get it in the first film. The the thing that pisses me off are the people that immediately go to it's Ray. It's Ray, right? No, no. Ray is the daughter of... And I'm like, no. I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think that. that's going to be it. Because how much of a bullshit move would that be? That, that's, like, a, that's a that wrong move. That she spent time with her father in the second film, and then he died before they were able to actually have that... And then what? They're going to have the whole Obi-Wan thing where it's like, well, what I told you was true from a certain, from a certain po- point of view. Exactly. No, I don't think that's the right way to go. I think maybe that's why he wanted it to go originally, and yeah. then Ryan Johnson kind of threw a monkey wrench in that uh, plan. But that's fine. Go with it. No, I, I, I don't think that he's going to do that. Um, but I think whereas people are trying to figure out who the Skywalker, the titular Skywalker is, I don't think it's a who. I think it's more of a, it, it, it's, for me, it's, it's one of two things. It, it, it's, it's more like, of a metaphor. Uh-huh. Like they're, 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 he's risen beyond a person and now his name legacy. means, yeah, it's his and legacy. And they even say that in the trailer. Every generation has a legacy or something Exactly. Like that. Yeah. Which is mirroring, mirroring the Phantom Menace, uh, teaser trailer. Use that same verbiage. Um, and then somebody had a theory that that kind of makes sense to me, which is the third film in all these trilogies have a um, the first one is a well, if we're going in, in order, Return of the Jedi. The Jedi are yeah. the group of people. Uh-huh. Revenge of the Sith. The Sith are, are this group of people. What if Skywalkers is a new title? What if Skywalkers become a group of people? It's I am a Skywalker. Like the Knights of Ren. The, or the, exactly. I am a Skywalker. So the I rise am... of Skywalker, and maybe it's even like a Skywalker can, can be plural. It's all about building Skywalker Ranch in California. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this whole movie is. It just ends with like, it's like a, a Battlestar Galactica ending where we find yeah. out that they're on Earth of like a million years in the past. Yeah. And then boom. Where they crash landed was where Skywalker ran. But I like that idea, and I kind of hope that's that's what it ends up being, and not being about Luke or Anakin or any one person. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's about what it means, what it represents, and even the ending of Last Jedi kind of ties into that. We start yeah. to see, you know, at the beginning of Force Awakens, Ray has the Skywalker doll, uh-huh. and then at the end of Last Jedi, we see the broom kid. Yeah, who it turns out you don't have to have midichlorians in your blood. You don't have to be a Skywalker Anybody, to be a Jedi. exactly. Which is the one thing from The Last Jedi that I enjoyed. It's yes. the thing that I liked, that takeaway that, Love like, that. you don't have to be a Skywalker to be special. Like, anybody can have this this power. Mm-hmm. That was proven in, if we're going to get anything from the prequels, it was that there was a council, and all these people from, like, different walks of life and different worlds yeah. had this power. Uh, that, and so I like this, that Rey doesn't have to be a descendant of Luke Skywalker. It's just Ray. It's kind of like Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. The Force <laughs> finds, finds a way. way. I like that. Um, do you like that? I wrote that. Yeah, too bad we can't get a Jeff Goldblum in these oh, Star Wars dude. movies, man. Yeah, I know, right? Um, who says we can't? Yeah, Maybe. What, right. if he, what if he shows up? Ooh. Uh, no, I, I. one of the things that I've read, and, and I agree with this sentiment, that... Mm-hmm. You can't bring the Emperor back because it's almost like it defeats the redemption story of Anakin From Skywalker. Anakin, yeah, exactly. I and I get that. And I completely agree with that. I don't think we're going to get, like, 
I don't think we're going to find out that Palpatine's been just lying in wait yeah, for 40 years. I, you. I don't think that's what happened. I don't even think we're going to be facing like a clone. I think we're going to be facing like something that he put in, in motion mm-hmm. years ago. And like now, like we're, we're kind of finding out, oh, this has been going on all along. It was another thing that almost like the specter of Palpatine, some other thing that like not him, not a clone, mm-hmm. but just kind of a legacy left behind because we are playing around with that a lot. Like legacies. the legacies of these characters. Sure. The legacy of Luke Skywalker, the legacy of Han Solo and Leia Organa. Doesn't it kind of cheapen the whole Snoke character though? And I mean, he's gone anyway. Fine. We needed somebody else. To, but, uh, above. So what do you say? You think that Snoke was a, a clone of Palpatine? No, no, no. I, I think oh. Snoke was his own thing and it's fine that we never find that out. I'm, 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 I'm at peace with that. Jim. Yeah. But then to, <laughs> but then to, uh, to, to have to bring the emperor back into it, like yeah. it's like, well, if he was the big mastermind all along, uh-huh. why are we wasting our time? Why are we treading water in these first two that's movies? What, but, that's where I think like the the fallen Death Star is going to come into play. Yeah, I think Ray is going to face a true challenge against like the dark side, and it's going to be. The, the like almost like the spiritual remains of Palpatine that because there has to be such a, a concentration of the dark side where that Death Star has crashed. Sure. And is it Yavin or is, or is it, it Endor? Or is it Endor? Yeah. It doesn't really look like either from yeah. the topography that we've seen, but mm-hmm. I, I don't see any Ewoks. And like in 40 years, how much can it really change? But then again, yeah. you know, those pieces... I. If they explore that whole, like, th- how the ecology could be impacted by the pieces of Death Star... That's true. ...falling onto the Changing, planet... yeah. Oh, no. What if, the, what if they wiped out all the Ewoks and did that's part of That's part of a thing from one of the Star Wars comics. <laughs> oh, no. There's this whole thing about, like, what we didn't consider was oh, no. the damage that we did to the planet of pieces of the Death Star falling and crashing on the Ewoks. Nub, nub. Yeah, I'll show you the picture, because oh, it is. No. It's Ewoks running from flaming debris falling onto the planet. You know, that's another thing, though. They, they show an awfully big chunk of that Death Star left over, like... It didn't look like there was that much of it to have landed onto. And also, what's the gravitational pull like? That yeah. It's not going to be projected out into space. This little moon is going to suck in that huge part of the right. Death Star. I don't know. And it was two moons, wasn't it? It was the wasn't Yavin four a moon or was that a planet as well? It was a moon because it was the fourth moon of Yavin. That's yeah. why it's called Yavin four. There we go. <laughs> the more you, you know. know. Um, but uh, again, that feels a little trolly putting the emperor in there and like having the uh, like. Can we just get away Here's, from old things and it, make it, it your own? It man. felt. Tro- I I enjoy it. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. But I, you know, it's going to be a great film. I think. I think the trolly aspect. I I enjoy that too. Like there's about. It's. I think it's the wrestling fan in me yeah. that really likes <laughs> the, the way that like you're you're teasing the fans with this. And like having Ian McDermott show up after the trailer plays, having him show up on the panel and just do his emperor voice and go yeah. roll it again. <laughs> and the fact that like I just hope to God like he barely shows up in this movie and like that all of this was for nothing. Like all this, well, sure. So Palpatine's coming back. He's gonna. No, oh, maybe we'll hear a voice. Like that's the most I really want. Yeah. Yeah, that's, or a that's force fine. ghost. Did the Sith come back as ghosts? Have we seen that yet? No. They don't really get to no. do that, do they? I don't think so. That's what they get for being assholes. That would be really neat, though. Yeah, if we see them. Are they, are they bathed in red? Well, because there What's is, that? that in on Dagobah, there, that the cave is oh, a concentration right. of dark, dark force. That's right. That's a good point. So where does that come from? It probably comes from when someone like Palpatine gets thrown down a fucking elevator <laughs> shaft <laughs> and creates a big thing of energy. He just explodes. That's a good point. So, yeah. uh, dude, I'm fucking stoked about it. I'm really oh, excited. Oh, of course, yeah. I think the only thing that, that gets me is we've never put... I don't think we've ever put a character's name 
in the title of one of these. That's movies. what I'm saying. It feels like it. Sh- this is about more than just like one person or one character. Um, mm. So hopefully they're not going to lean too heavy onto that. And yeah. Do a lot of hero worship with Luke. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, they should call it just a new New Hope. Yeah. <laughs> not old. <laughs> not old new, but, but new new. new. <laughs> Uh, all right, I think there's a good place to wrap it up. Let's do it. So what are we going to do next week? Uh, this is your pick, man. I don't know. Okay. here we go. So this is going to be the, uh, the, tw- the last something. week of... Uh, it's the week of Avengers is when... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So you also know next week is the birthday of, I think, I think uh, an actor you enjoy, one of my favorites. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Another Jeff. Oh, fuck yeah. Negan? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Love man. Him. His birthday's on the 22nd. Oh, I just discovered that he was in a movie that I watched a long time ago. This will be good. Like, All right, so guys, back in the day when we didn't have Cinemax, but they had the late night Ooh, Cinemax movies, yeah. you'd try to like decode like what it is you were watching through the lines, squiggly lines and stuff. There was a late night Cinemax movie called Undercover, and I think it's also <laughs> known as Undercover Heat, Double Entendre, <laughs> where uh, an actress named Athena Massey plays an undercover cop who has to infiltrate. Are you ready for this? Yes. A whorehouse. Oh, wow. She has to become a prostitute. To find a whore, she'll have, <laughs> she'll have to, to become, become a whore. <laughs> so, so she has, and, and dude, she ends up getting into the lifestyle and maybe enjoying it too much to Uh-oh. the point where her captain and her partner get concerned about her well-being. Uh-oh. But a young Jeffrey Dean Morgan makes his first film appearance. Wow. In this movie. Playing a gigolo? Playing the uh, the bouncer. Of this oh. uh, of this club, and also one of the main characters, he's like involved in the story, the plot of what's going on here. Yeah, we're gonna watch a Skinamax original Undercover Heat. Undercover next Heat, week. 1995. There it is. <laughs> wow, Cindy Hannon. Yeah, it's also got the. Um, she was in the Star Trek movie. Um, not not Kirstie Alley, but the one that they got to replace her, Meg Foster. Meg Foster. Yeah. She was in Masters of the Universe as Mrs. V. Yes, That's she right. was, wasn't yeah. she? I like that. So uh, next week, rated R, guys. I, I don't know where you could find this movie. Yeah, but uh, Undercover Heat. This is gonna be like the first check like, it out softcore porn we've done on the editing bay. Huh? <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Is Parents, of- get your kids permission <laughs> to watch. <laughs> This uh, this episode is rated T and A. All right. Look forward to this. Have to watch this one with the misses, huh? I guess so. I'll be maybe watch it twice. I'll be trying to watch this at work. Oh no! Like oh shit. Okay, no, we got to skip past. Break some HR violations there, guys. Undercover heat right here on the editing bay next week. Jeff, thank you very much, sir. Joel, always a pleasure. Thank you, Facebook. Yay! We'll see you guys next week for Undercover Heat. You've been listening to the Next Wave Radio Network. That's fucking gold.